Hello, everyone. <clears throat> you know, Halloween is a very strange holiday. Personally, I don't understand it. Oh, kids worshiping ghosts, pretending to be devils. Oh, things on TV that are completely inappropriate for younger viewers. Things like the following half hour. Oh, nothing seems to bother my kids, but tonight's show, which I totally wash my hands of, is really scary. So if you have sensitive children, maybe you should tuck them into bed early tonight instead of writing us angry letters tomorrow. Thanks for your attention. What's up, all you boils, ghouls, and non-boonaries? <laughs> and welcome to Anime Baby, a podcast served with spook scares and a side of gyoza. This is your host, Mikey, and uh, if you can look inside my mouth and tell me what the man inside said to you, that would be great. And joining me, as always, is... Non-boonaries. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You tried. Yeah. You tried. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking to you all live from my head, uh, being transformed into a mushroom, it is your co-host, Ryan. And welcome to the third annual Anime Bebe Anniversary Halloween Spooktacular Special! (laughs) 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 But yeah, three full years of the podcast in the books, in the pocket, and out of sight here. How about that? Uh, very nice to have uh, our anniversary also be for the Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, Lynn. Can you believe we actually made it this far? Like, we started in, what, 2018, and we're still here in 2021. Yes, yes, we have made it quite far. You know, through all the highs, lows, and creamy middles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, any memories from this past year you're kind of proud of or whatever? When did we do our Darling episode? Uh, that technically would have been before last year's anniversary, but yeah, that was definitely around last October, actually. Yeah, somewhere around there, actually. But, like, I always remember, that's that's still my favorite one to this day. Yeah, that's still a <laughs> proud one I have. Because, like, I just got so... I, I felt so just in my anger in that one, and that's, yeah. a, very, that's a rarity these days. Oh, yeah, and the fact that we managed to spread it out over two episodes, and the fact that I got those two episodes out in the month, and then in the same month got out Zombieland Saga for Halloween, like, that was... That was Prop, pretty nuts. Props, props. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I'm all, I'm pretty proud of the fact that uh, finally getting to return to some of our uh, shonen roots with my hero, even when that got delayed because of the you know what. Right, right. Yeah, that's that was also quite cool. And the fact that we made it a full year finally recording in person, like for the first time since we started this podcast, no like nothing coming in to stop us and made us record like remotely. Yeah, one year forward in our new cool space. Yes, it's worked out very well for us. And of course, uh, doing summer music, which was a lot of fun doing a whole bunch of music anime this past year. Oof, but a lot of work on your part, though. A lot of work on my part. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, hey, we did it. We did it. And it was cool. And uh, we definitely have some big things planned for uh, year four here. So new summer series, hopefully a return to conventions where you can probably hear us 
your recorded versions of our panels there. We are very much hoping to return to Anime Detour next year. Hopefully, maybe some other cons, who knows. But this year, I feel, should be like, say, a return to form, you know? Like what 2020 should have been. Right. We, we are very much hoping for that. <laughs> And like with the past two anniversary episodes, it coincides with the spooky season, which means we're covering a super spooky anime to mark the occasion. As a first anniversary, that was uh, Promised Neverland Season 1. Last year uh, was Zombieland Saga Season 1. This year, we're looking at Doro Hidoro! And this is actually, this was a suggestion from me that I really wanted us to actually get to last year, actually. Yes. <laughs> but you, but you wanted, but, uh, you know, like, I knew you wanted to do Zombieland, and I also kind of figured, like, you know what, it's about time we do that one as well. Yeah, because I wanted to do that the year prior, but the Blu-rays didn't come out in time to have the dub song, so I had to wait the next year. Right, right. And I know you, you really wanted those dub songs, yeah, too. Yeah, I wanted the full, complete version. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> But, you know, like, we finally got Dodoro Hidoro this year, after watching it for the first time last year. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, so I'm very excited for this one. It's, uh, this, this is, a uh, one series where, um, after I believe I took in the anime, I blew through the entire manga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite a long series, because I think it, I think it clocks out to around, like, um, 160 chapters or uh, so? 167 chapters. Oh, I was close. <laughs> Yeah, somewhere on there, and uh, yeah, and they can be long chapters too. But uh, yeah, it's a series. It's a series that I uh, really grew attached to, uh, and its creator is a very unique one in the world of manga. She did a really good job with the series, and I'm so glad that we are talking about it now. And when compared to the other two shows we did for our Halloween episodes. Honestly, the spookiest and creepiest one out of the bunch. Because <laughs> I mean, really, you I think? mean, Promised Neverland had demons killing children, and but then Zombieland Saga just had zombies being idols. But like this, I feel is the creepiest and goriest out of all of them. Okay, first of all, can we just like get this out of the way that we've not technically done like a horror series for like Halloween yet? Yeah, that's true. We technically have not reviewed any, like, an actual horror anime yet. Well, like, the other two were horror-adjacent. Right, exactly. But we haven't actually, like, reviewed anything horror, like, actually horror. Yeah, so the genre. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I will admit, this one, much more gruesome than the other ones. Yeah, probably the most gruesome anime we've covered on the show. (laughs) I mean, it's certainly up there. I mean, uh... Yeah, this Dorohidoro does not like hold back. Actually, I should clarify that the anime does actually hold back in some of the violence because oh. the manga is even more violent. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think the manga is going at like a hundred. The anime is going at like eighty. Ah, uh, okay. That's that's how I would put it at least. <laughs> um, prop, one of the more one of the uh, gorier anime we've uh, reviewed for this podcast. Yeah, it's uh, and it's wonderful. It's- Wonderful brutality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but as always, let's kick it, let's uh, kick off with a little bit of the background. As well, with most things we've covered on the show, Dorohidoro is based on a manga of the same name written by Kyu Hayashida. Uh, not much is known about Kyu Hayashida, other than the fact that uh, that isn't her real name. And uh, most of what we know about her is from pretty much various interviews she's done over the years. Like, in fact, we don't even know what she looks like. Yeah, we don't know what she looks like, but she has done, like, some scant interviews. I've I've actually read a few of those interviews, I think, or something. Although I don't remember them too well. I only remember some small details. But yeah, very reclusive author among, like, manga authors out there. Like, uh, the only kind of image we know to, like, represent her is just kind of, uh, kind of like a picture of a ghost, really, like, done in her art style. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a very private woman. Uh, born in 1977, she settled on wanting to be a manga artist even before she started college, and uh, she worked as a freelancer for a while, submitting art to different manga magazines. And uh, at the time before starting college, she would say that her art was uh, awful. <laughs> like, she even say she couldn't copy Akira Toriyama's style to save her life. Oh, really? Yeah, like, she was kind of hard on herself, and also uh, her own mother was hard on her, too, with her art style, to calling it bad. Oh. Yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> Though it did teach her to take criticism in stride and uh, did give her the motivation, the drive to like really improve her artwork, so there is that. And uh, once uh, Hayashida entered college, her art style improved immensely, and uh, it helped that her major was uh, painting to really help her art style. And uh, college did help her take her art seriously, and oftentimes she would, she would just focus on art over the rest of her studies, as uh, she felt there was no difference to uh, college and uh, high school. They're kind of the same thing, really, to her. Mm. So she spent most of her time doodling. I will say there is a bit of a painterly quality to her artwork in the manga. Okay. I mean, I hope she wasn't, like, uh, harsh on, like, her the, the roughness of her images. Because I think the roughness of her artwork is actually... Or at least, like, the dirtiness, the, the, the dirty-lookingness of it is actually, like, one of her, like, finest points. As oh, well. yeah, like, from the anime and from what I've seen of the manga, she does dirty really, really well. But it lends itself well to, like, the horror influences that she injects into it. Oh, yeah, it adds to a lot of that. And it also makes it... It also makes her humor better, too. <laughs> yes, like, a lot, like, this series is, like, the darkest of dark comedies at times. Yes, she's got a very, like, gruesome, like, style that lends itself very well to horror, but, like, the one thing that comes through very well with Q Hayashida when you read her works is that she's also, she feels like a goofball. Yeah, she has, like, a kind of a weird sense of humor at times. <laughs> yeah, she does have a very, like, weird, gruesome sense of humor. <laughs> she feels almost like a, almost like a... I don't know, almost like a Tim Burton, like, female protagonist or something, like, <laughs> just like, just like a creepy, like, she, almost like she grew up to be a creepy girl or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's what makes her works cool. And a fun fact here, uh, she's actually a big fan of, uh, Akira and owns all the works of Junji Ito and Kazo Umizo, so, uh... No I can see the Akira influence by yeah, far. Yeah, but knowing all that, uh, it explains so much about her. <laughs> There, there are some moments later in, like, the Doro Hidoro manga that do feel like they could have been written into Akira. Oh, yeah, and, like, uh, also with some of the horror influences from Junji Ito and stuff, like, you can kind of see that influence in her work. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So she got a big break in the manga industry with the series Sofa-chan in uh, 1998, which is about a female ghost who lives in a couch. Uh, like, when I saw that, my mind immediately thought the series was, like, big comfy couch, but a that died and haunted the couch forever. <laughs> But uh, in the year 2000, Hayashida would begin her magnum opus, that being Doro Hidoro. Uh, first began in November 30th, 2000 in Monthly Iki and would go on until September 25th, 2014 when Monthly Iki ceased production. It was uh, transferred over to uh, its replacement, Hibana, on March 6th, 2015. And that ran until uh, that magazine ceased production on August 7th, 2017. It had a good long run, to be honest. What was it? What did it clock out to? Like 23 volumes? Yep, 23 volumes and uh, 167 chapters. And uh, it would get transferred one final time on November, 7th, on November 10th, 2017 to a monthly show in Sunday, which it would go until its very end on September 12th, 2018. Now, that is a series I would like to see brought into, like, some big collected edition, because, man, 23 volumes does not fit well on a shelf. Yeah, like, it is licensed by Viz here in the States, so you can you can uh, read it that way, but it's, like, still in, like, the regular manga volumes. Right, right. Or uh, even hit up your local library, because uh, I've actually noticed quite a few libraries, <laughs> <laughs> at least in our area, actually hold it. <laughs> 
But I gotta say, having your, like, manga transferred over three different magazines throughout its run had to have been a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. That must have been. And looked at the date, it seems like between each transfer, there was just a lot of downtime, so, like, she wasn't publishing anything. Mmm. After the series had uh, wrapped, it was announced that Dorhidoro would receive an anime adaptation produced by Studio Mappa and directed by Yuichiro Hayashi. Oh, Mappa, you went from the little studio that could to the little studio that does too much and overworks your employees. Ugh. Yeah, and in the in the years since we did our last, like, uh, big Mappa anime, Zombie Land Saga, we started to learn more about their practices, and it's kind of soured me on them on a, a bit. Ugh, yeah, just not not the way to treat your employees. No, it's just, just horrible. Just stop taking on so much work. We don't need 20 shows a year. I mean, first, first of all, they gotta treat their employees with some goddamn respect. Yeah. Or, like, at the very, very least, pay them better. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for this series, uh, MAPPA went in uh, the unique direction of uh, pulling a bit of a Beastars here and animating the series with a mix of CG and 2D animation. Yeah, what'd you think of that? Yeah, that was an interesting choice. I mean, I, I think it certainly made for uh, something you could... It was certainly made for uh, an anime at the time where you could actually compare two anime yeah, and their different approaches to using CG in their series. Because they were released roughly around the same time. Right, right. I feel like the, I feel like the three big ones that I know some people go back to are probably Beastars, Doruhidoro, and um, <laughs> the Berserk continuation. <laughs> Two of those. Although I think Land of the Lustrous could also be included in there because I've heard that one is also pretty good. Yeah, that one's good. Like, out of all those four, three are good. One is. From what I've heard, I haven't seen it. Yeah, God but those awful. those are like the I I feel like those are the usual suspects that come up whenever people discuss 3D anime. There is actually a 3D anime that I'm checking out recently uh, called uh, Duke of Death and His Maid, and not bad, not bad. Yeah, I don't know. I saw some like screenshots of that, and I was like, ah, this this seems a little. It looks better in motion because I was kind of thinking the same thing, but it's alright. It's alright. Mm, okay. But uh, this anime, it ran from January 12th, 2020 to March 19th, 2020 in Japan. Of course, we had to wait until May of 2020 to watch it because of our old pal Netflix. Oh, Netflix just loves dangling that apple in front of us. Uh, Netflix, the gift that keeps on giving five to six months after everyone else. Ugh, God. And of course, the dub will be done by the team of Bob and Megan Buckholtz, uh, directing and writing. With all that out of the way... We're talking all about Dorohidoro on the Anime Baby 3rd Anniversary Season 4 Premiere Halloween Spooktacular Special! So without further ado, let's start the show.
So, first things first, our opening and endings. Yes, endings with an S. As the opening is Welcome to Chaos, and the endings are the songs Who Am I, Night Surfing, DDDD, Strange Meat Pie, and Seconds Fly, and 404, all performed by the group No Name. What do you think of all these songs? Oh, God, where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I don't usually say this, but, like, for, like, one anime that had, like, one opening and five endings, every single one is a banger. They all kick so much ass. And I can't believe they all come from one artist. It's like they they released an entire EP through this anime. (laughs) They practically (laughs) produced the entire OST. But you know what? I like their sounds. They actually have, like, some really cool sounds to them. Oh, it's kind of like the... Spooky techno-y sound to the I know, music. they sound almost like some like they almost sound like a techno circus at times. <laughs> and some of the visuals just get so like eye candy. Like the opening has like it's basically just making gyoza, but they managed to make that so exciting and just like visual eye candy. Right, right. Yeah, the, the, the anime the, the anime's opening I think is uh, appropriate in that regard since uh, the main character obsesses over gyoza so much. To the point where in the opening his head turns into like a piece of gyoza. Right, right. But you've still got some like teased out characters, you know, in there as well. Um, I actually think the uh, motion where uh, she's chopping the meat in particular. Oh yeah, once like the song hits to the, gets like the big uh, chorus. Yes, that in particular, I I think that's a that's a good um, <laughs> a good visual signifier that this is going to be a very violent series yeah. <laughs> in a certain way. Yeah, even I would even go so far as to say that uh, her creepy smiling during it is even like almost a teaser for way later in the series mm. as well. Like when I saw her smiling there, I was like, oh, that felt. Uh, I felt like I've seen that in, like, the final 40 chapters of the series. <laughs> yeah, that's... So, yeah, opening, banger. And then the five endings of the series. <laughs> uh, first first one's good. Second one is... Uh, is, 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 uh, also, is uh, I like even more. Uh, third, when they get to the event known as the Blue Knight, is uh, very, like, bouncy and cheery, like a carnival, like... I love that one. Is that the one that also looks like uh, Doom? Or is that the fourth one? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the fourth one. The third one is the one that has the Doom visuals. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of holding a gun, you're holding a mushroom. Right, right. That's that's so weird. I don't get why. I don't know. It's so weird, but like, it's so authentically Doom. Like, the, the CGI looks almost like the old CGI from the game. Okay, so third ending. That one. That one's That one's also fun as well. I don't like it as much as the second one. Fourth one, though, is the one that that is the uh, that is during the event known as the Blue Knight. Yep, that's probably my second favorite. <laughs> and then we're actually, I would say probably my my absolute favorite is the uh, final of the series, which plays in the credits of the last episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's only for one episode, yeah. but it's like it's a really good finale to go out. It's on. a really good final song. So yeah, hats off to you, No Name. Like you gave us six different bangers. Like, Jesus. <laughs> like, you didn't have to go this above and beyond. And only for, like, a 12-episode series. Oh, wait, yeah. No, 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 I forget. There's another one. Yeah, you reminded me. There's another one that comes after the Blue Knight ending. That one I actually like a lot for, like, the the sheer chaotic sounding, like, dissonance yeah. to it, actually. <laughs> but it also just gets, it, hits, it also hits a beat where, like, it gets, like, really, like, fun and dancey for some reason. Okay, maybe that, okay, maybe the fifth ending is actually my favorite. <laughs> and then sixth ending is my, the, the final episode ending is my second favorite. 
Then Blue Knight ending third favorite. Oh, okay. But you know what? I'm happy that I'm happy that this anime gave me three endings to like really like. <laughs> <laughs> like in my in my casual time, I listen to the endings of this anime These casually. Are such good songs to listen to on their own. Yeah, they are actually. You know, like they, this like they've got a good artist <laughs> this series. <laughs> but they lend themselves very well to the uh, chaotic nature of the series at times. Yeah, like they're just so like goofy, but still retains a lot of like the kind of creepy darkness that, some of the sh- that the show has. I think No Name was perfect for Doro Hidoro. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Jeez, look at us. We haven't even started talking about the anime yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the longest we talked about the openings and the endings on an episode. We, 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 we kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, there are just so many. It's, and they're all fucking good. It's honestly a bit as big as like the rest of the show is. I know, right? So, kick off. In a dingy, disgusting, post-apocalyptic world, as you see two punks and masks fighting off uh, a built blonde woman and her partner, a giant lizard man. Uh, the punks are Matsumura, played here by Tony Azolino, and Fujita, played here by our boy Bryce Pappenbrook. And the woman is Nikaido, played here by Reba Burr, and the lizard man is Kaiman, played here by Alex Lee, a.k.a. Zenitsu from Demon Slayer. Holy crap, that was weird to see. The fucking vocal range on Alex Lee. Because I, I had like just watched all of Demon Slayer, I think, just before this. Or at least heard his voice as Zenitsu in that one. Which is, you know, very youthful and also just like constantly scared all the time. Yeah, he's putting in a lot of work to play this anime Shaggy Rogers. <laughs> but then here he is playing a big lizard, a big guy with a lizard head. Big li- guy, lizard head, big, deep, gruff voice. And he can actually lower his range like to that degree and he and sounds look, great. And if you look at a picture of Alex Lee in real life, like you, like at first glance, you can't even imagine him doing that voice. <laughs> Like, in what way do you mean? Because like... he's kind of like this little, small, little, cute, little Asian guy. <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine that voice out of him, but I'm pretty sure if I saw him do that, I would be like, okay, that's Kaiman. Right, right. And uh, this fight, and the show, in fact, opens up with uh, Matsumura's head in the mouth of Kaiman. Like, that's our first shot we get of the series, just him in the mouth of this lizard man. And he sees another guy in the mouth coming out of Kaiman's throat, and all the man says is, you're not the one. And then Kaiman spits Matsumura out, and he is told this, and then this leads to Kaiman slicing and dicing the shit out of this guy. Very Raiden-esque from Metal Gear Revengeance. <laughs> Rules of nature! <laughs> but before the guy's dead slice of body even hits the ground, his severed hand shoots smoke out of his finger, which creates a door that allows Fujita to escape. What an opening. Yeah, this is just like yeah, this is the this is the first opening and this is also the first chapter of the manga opens up. <laughs> it's a lot to hit you with all at once. But it firmly kind of establishes like what we're gonna see in this world and like the levels of violence we could get. And what is this world? Uh, it takes place in a world of multiple realms, one of which is the hole, which is our main location. It's this sprawling, rundown city that's been polluted from uh, sorcerer magic. The, the overuse of sorcerer's magic just completely destroy the city's ecosystem. Right, right. So there's the human world whole, and then there is a separate world belonging to sorcerers. Yep, the sorcerer's world, which is a vibrant land full of magic. But I say vibrant in that it's more colorful, but it's still pretty dirty and dingy at times. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like, it, it has, like, more, like, it has, like, actually, like, brick-and-mortar structures in that world. And actual plants in places, too. Right, right. Whereas, like, the world of whole is just, like, a slum. It's basically like the world from Final Fantasy VII, but dirtier and dingier. Mm-hmm. And I love the look of this series. I love... It's so delightfully dirty. 
Oh yes, absolutely. I think it, I think uh, I think she might have taken inspiration from like uh, like Brazilian slums or something to when taking into account the design of whole. I I can maybe you can maybe say say that she also took some like um, English cottagey inspiration for like some parts of. Uh, the sorcerer world. I, I would like to imagine that some of her inspiration probably came from like Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling Hayashida probably likes that. Probably. <laughs> uh, but uh, can you tell us what uh, Kaiman's uh, story is? Oh, Kaiman's story. Well, let's see. <laughs> he was, uh, well, he was basically found down a dark alleyway by Nikaido one day. And, um, you know, initially believed to be headless, he actually had a, um, a lizard head, <laughs> and he couldn't really rem- remember who he was. Well, Nikaido found him that day, and, um, you know, she looked, she looked into, like, she looked into him afterwards, and they found that, uh, you know, they liked each other, and they became friends afterwards. And so, uh, Kaimon, Kaimon is uh, now concerned with finding out who exactly he was before he became this lizard-headed man. And also, he's a big, hungry boy who loves gyoza. Yes, gyoza is the other big thing in the series. He absolutely loves gyoza. In fact, it, it, it will be repeated until the end of the series. <laughs> <laughs> and if this series doesn't make you hungry for gyoza, then I don't know what will. Gyoza is good. It is good. I mean, I, I like it when it's not, like, too oily. I like it just crispy enough, you know? But, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love a little cool. crunch on it. Right, right. Like, the garlic flavor to it. Oh, like it's, yeah. It's, it's very nice. And we also see that uh, Kaiman works in a hospital, a hospital for victims of sorcery, which is basically, like, uh, people who sorcerers uh, test their magic on here. Yeah, like, all the humans of whole are just... <laughs> they're just constantly bullied by magic users. They're just, like, guinea pigs for these sorcerers. Yeah, it's it's... So not a fun world. <laughs> like, uh, the people we see here, they're guys who've been turned into bugs. Just deformed, and, like, the whole world just looks polluted as hell. And, uh, this sorcerer, he's not very good at it, too, like, turning these people into bugs. They're, like, kind of a little misshapen and everything. And, uh, this sorcerer actually has his sights set on Nikaido, like, uh, kind of managed to get into her restaurant, and then started, uh, infecting her with, like, his, uh, bug magic. Though Kaiman comes in and takes care of the sorcerer, uh, pretty quickly, and... Like, with a lot of things in the show, I love the nonchalance of this, where, like, you fight this guy and it's, like, not a big deal. No, not really. Yeah. Like, this guy's a small-timer in, like, the big world. And, like, Nikado gets, like, almost turned into a bug, but, like, in the end, not a big deal. Yep, because if you kill a magic user, you also cancel out all their magic as well. Yep, so the guys in the hospital, they're all cured now. Mm-hmm. They set up this plot with the sorcerer, like, just as soon as it ends. And it's done so quickly, and it's, like, presented more as, like, an annoyance than a big issue. But it kind of works with the comedy in the series, where, like... Something happens, it's kind of played straight, and then it's kind of done almost as soon as we, as it begins. I mean, they need to, I mean, it needs to be established that this is a regular occurrence in this Oh, yeah, world. this is normal in the whole. Like, killing a sor- like killing a sorcerer, like, gruesomely, like, cutting his hand off before he can even magic up a door to get out. <laughs> it's a regular occurrence here. This is Tuesday for them. Right, right. And, uh, Kaiman does take a bite of this guy before he kills him, and, uh, just like with, uh, Matsumoto, he is not the one either. And then, so, later on, they're starting to learn more about seeing, like, how can we get see more of this uh, little man inside Kaiman's throat, like, trying to take pictures of him, trying to see if, like, they can get any information out of this guy. Right, because that's the only thing they have to go off of. That, like, whenever Kaiman, like, puts someone's head inside his mouth, there's another little man inside there with uh, crosses over his eyes that, uh, yeah, that no one, that, that seems to always, like, talk to people inside there. But uh, Kaiman and Nikaido don't know what this guy looks like. Right, right. Not, not right now, at least. 
But uh, the following day, they're uh, going around the city, and they spot another sorcerer in a skull mask in town. And then Kaiman approaches the sorcerer and then shoves their head in his mouth, just kind of casually right here, too. And then Kaiman removes the sorcerer's mask and sees that they're actually a girl. Yeah, this is uh, Ebisu, played here by Christina Valenzuela. And at first, she seems uh, she seems pretty calm and normal when we first meet her. Hang on to that. As uh, Trump, Kaiman takes a bite, but before the man in his mouth can say anything, just gets a little, uh, you are, but then gets cut off there, a magic door appears and uh, Fujita comes back and pulls Ebisu to safety while she's still in Kaiman's mouth. See where I'm going with this here? Yeah. Yeah, this leads to Ebisu getting her face torn off as Fujita pulls her back into the sorcerer's world. And we see her face just hanging from Kaiman's teeth. <laughs> oh my god. And Kaiman and Nikaido aren't faced by this at all. I'm sure they just chucked that face in the garbage afterwards. Or just like Nikaido going along like, uh, Kaiman, you got a little something in your teeth there. Uh, what? Is it out? Oh my god, he probably flicked it at a wall and yeah, just, just, just watched it slide just... down. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh no, this series is brutal with a capital B, but yet it's so mundane for everyone involved. Ah, oh, Jesus. Uh, you know what else is brutal? A group of goons with the same uh, eye crosses that Kaiman has getting curb stomped by a pair of sorcerers. Uh, cleaners, if you will. Uh, let's meet them, and their boss too, while we're at it. As we're introduced to Shin, played here by Sean Chipwalk, Noe, played here by Jeremy Lee, and these two are the problem solvers for the head of the sorcerer's world table. That man is none other than... And played here by Keith Silverstein. By the way, Keith Silverstein playing an antagonist. Take a drink. Oh, yep. Mark that Mark that one down on the board. <laughs> but uh, tell us all about the N family here. N family. Oh, God. Like, what can I say? Like, or rather, what should I just get out of the way, yeah. first of all? <laughs> I guess I should get out of the way that, like, N is pretty much the law of the land in the world of, like, uh, sorcerers. <laughs> There's really no one, like, really higher as far as, like, sorcerers go. Like... He's 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 a crime lord, but he's also kind of like a king, basically. Like it's never said in the series, but like or like said explicitly, but like yeah, he he is just like the the head of the land, you know, tribal chief. Acknowledge him. Yeah, he's he's also uh, I should say right now like the mo- like probably like one of the most powerful sorcerers in that world too. Like you don't fuck with N. No, no, and you no. don't fuck with his family either. <laughs> Although he's he keeps for himself a pretty small. Uh, coterie, I will say. Throughout the throughout most of the series, uh, there's <laughs> when it comes to the N family. Yes, it's a crime family, but like there's like N and his inner circle, and then everyone underneath there doesn't matter. Like <laughs> y- you are just like a guy in a suit who works for N, <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of only work for N. You, you I you don't see like you can help out his like inner circle. But like, but like, but you answer almost directly to N. <laughs> it's a very simple like crime family structure we're working with here. <laughs> and N, oh man, he's a guy you don't want to piss off either. Nope. Or his two enforcers, his problem solvers, Shin and Noe, mm-hmm. his uh, Jimmy and Jey Uso to his Roman Reigns. In fact, you'll probably be questioning throughout the whole series why even keep someone like Fujita around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, no, Fujita is, uh, N's do-boy, essentially. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of brought him along, kind of because he felt sorry for him. <laughs> like, he spends most of the series trying to get him a new partner since Matsumura died, but just, I don't know, kind of puts it off a little bit. Right, right. Like, I, I still keep wondering, like, you know, <laughs> N, like, 
Look at Fujita. <laughs> Can you imagine ever promoting this guy? This small boy in a Tengu mask with like a little snow cap on. Yeah, like a little Lushanka on. Yeah. Like, a guy who can not really do a whole lot with his magic except, like, shoot it out like a bullet. <laughs> what do you see in him, man? <laughs> oh, and uh, allow me to be, uh, as the kids would say, horny on main here, but uh, Noe. Hello, nurse! Ah, yes, Shin and Noe, the, uh, the enforcers, the assassins yep. under N. And Noe, there's a lot of beef out here. Oh, boy. Holy shit. (laughs) I I just immediately, as soon as I saw her, I'm just like, yes, yes, this is what I want. Yes, yes. And Shin, though, he's quite handsy, too, so this is... Mia as someone who's bi, this is kind of a a perfect bear in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I do like Shin's uh, black suit and sneakers combo that he's got here. Shin looks so fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the black suit, the sneakers, he's got the heart-shaped mask. That's backwards. (laughs) Yeah, that's backwards all the time. And he, like, kills people with a fucking hammer. Yeah, with the backside of a hammer. Oh, my God. And Noe just uses her fist to just ram people headfirst into walls. I, I don't know. I, I like to think that Q Hayashida might also be a fan of the film Old Boy. Because, <laughs> like, a lot of, like, Shin's action feels like it could have been, like, we're straight out of that. Just kill- Ah, just killing people with a hammer. Oh, yeah, my God. It's brutal. Uh, but yes, they uh, kill people for N. Yep, and yeah, Fujita obviously with them, and you also have uh, Ebisu. So with all these four and with N, kind of got an amazing stable of sorcerers here. And then it's just cool with Ebisu and the family now. <laughs> yeah, speaking of her, uh, after that encounter with Kaiman, she's uh, very broken, like very cuckoo bananas, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So like, uh, she's been having a nightmares of, like, having her face torn off. She has, like, bandages all over her face most of the time when she first when we first see her again. After that, uh, you have uh, Noi, who has the ability to uh, heal people with her magic. She's finally healed, but uh, she lost her memory from everything before the encounter with Kaiman and is just kind of in the background just doing kind of goofy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's great, but when you really think about it, it's like, okay, she's kind of got some serious mental issues here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, there. there's a lot of humor in the series regarding Ebisu. <laughs> yeah, but it adds to the dark comedy of it all. Right, right, it's all, like, in the service of, like, the, the series' unique brand of dark comedy. Also, uh, you know, Fujita and uh, Ebisu kind of paired off together, uh, Bryce Pappenberg and Christina Valenzuela, bit of a uh, miraculous ladybug here. I know, how about that? <laughs> and their boss is Hawk Moth. I, I know, like, <laughs> how did it, oh my god, it turned out like that again. You know, this is kind of the the dark future where Hawkmoth gets both of their miraculous and uh, has them join forces. Oh my god. <laughs> Funny how it turns out like that. Yeah, so N has his uh, problem solvers tasked with hunting down and killing Hyman and Nikaido. When he first uh, introduces them, he uses two sorcerers with uh, transformation magic to show them what their targets look like. But then the two turn out to be assassins and try to kill N, but then N easily disposes of them with his magic. The magic of turning people into mushrooms. That that whole scene is just to, is just to show off, like yeah, like you don't fuck with N, because he'll turn you into a mushroom. <laughs> yeah, just big piles and piles of an assortment of mushrooms. Everything is mushrooms with N. Like all he ever eats is mushrooms. Yes, all he ever eats is mushrooms. He doesn't eat anything else. In fact, uh, the mushrooms that he and everyone else is eating in the scene here are all made from uh, people he turned into mushrooms. That's pretty badass. That is badass. Like, if, 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 if you leave a corpse, he'll feed you to his mushrooms, or he'll just turn you into a mushroom. You know, like, he did say, I despise waste. But, you, 
<laughs> you will see. You will see as the story series goes on. Goes on though. Why you don't fuck with mushrooms? <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> yeah, but that's already like just like funny right off the bat. Like strong, like strongest guy, strongest sorcerer we know of in the series. And his magic is just mushrooms and just obsessed with it. But this introduction to the end family just. Perfect. Oh, I love a good, I love a good crime family in fiction. And God, the, this, this is such an odd mixed, mismatched bunch. Just an odd inner circle of people here. Uh, but meanwhile, back in the hole, Kaiman and Nikaido tracked down a magical acupuncturist who might be able to give uh, Kaiman his human face back. And uh, Nikaido is able to get a lead to the acupuncturist after running into some hooligans. And uh, this moment, this fight between uh, Nikaido and these hooligans is. One where it definitely gets over how great of a fighter she is, because we saw a bit of that in the earlier scene. But here, like, taking down, like, multiple guys by herself with just her fists and her legs, and at one point, killing a guy with his own spear by chopping off the top of his head, having his brain fly out, and then catching it with the guy's own baseball cap. Censored a little bit, though, in the anime. A little bit. They kind of the, the brain's kind of blacked out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, blacked out a little bit. Manga doesn't sugarcoat it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but she she can really hold her own. But no, a that, bit of a martial artist in her own. Yeah, right. martial artist and just the catch. It's just kind of badass. Oh yeah. Just I don't know the eyeball getting squished like really oh, does the it for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> Some poor guy gets his like eyeball smashed out of his head, and like one of his friends accidentally steps on it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so brutal, but also kind of funny. <laughs> that is just Doro Hidoro in 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 general. Gruesome, but hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like watching a cheesy horror movie. They find the acupuncturist, and he works his magic on Kaiman, which uh, just involves shoving a bunch of needles into his face, which should eventually turn him back into a human. And uh, two things I just thought about here. Uh, one is uh, that scene in King of the Hill where Hank gets acupuncture, and then he just kicks the guy's ass. <laughs> and the other is uh, the Ed, Ed and Eddie episode with uh, Eddie's pimple. So, like, I imagine he sh- this guy should have just... Put a box on Kaiman's head, shoved a chicken in there, and just let him go to town. Oh my god. <laughs> just comes back, tiny head. What you doing to me, you quack? <laughs> ah, but uh, another kind of interesting scene here is uh, the acupuncturist. He uh, also does uh, fortune telling, and he tells uh, Nikaido's fortune, and foretells that something bad is going to happen to her because of her heart. Eh, something, something there, yeah. Uh... Eh, I'm sure it's nothing. But uh, anyway, the acupuncture doesn't work, and it just makes Kaiman shed his skin. <laughs> He is a lizard, after all. Uh, yeah, he would shed naturally on yeah. that part of his head. Yeah. He did say that his head was getting itchy, so it kind of helped there. Let's talk a bit about uh, Living Dead Day, or uh, Night of the Living Dead, as it's also called. <laughs> I don't mean the Romero film. As uh, once per year, the severe uh, magical pollution in the hole causes dead people to rise from the grave as zombies, forcing a local priest to uh, bury the dead with uh, metal tokens that can be exchanged for prizes. So it's a big whole event where everyone comes out to hunt and kill zombies for one night. You get prizes for it. <laughs> for killing all the people you once knew. And uh, Kaiman Nikaido and uh, Kaiman's boss Vo, played here by Michael Sorek, decide to join in on the festivities here. I can't get enough of this weird shit that happens in this world, and trust me, it's only gonna get weirder. I know, it's like, this is just how like it goes in this world. You see like weird little events like this that like are just a natural part of this world, and you're just left wondering, like, how does anyone even like live and laugh here? <laughs> and it's all presented as like a big local town festival with like food stands and everything like that. I know, it's treated like just a fun little festival. I love it. You know, come one, come all for a living dead day. Bring the kids for a night of uh, killing zombies. And who knows, he might run into some familiar faces. Oh, why, look, it's Grandma! Ah, uh, you can finally <laughs> say goodbye to her before you bash her head in. 
What a touching family reunion. <laughs> Living Dead Day. Wholesome fun for the whole family. It's like Resident Evil, but real. Rack up a combo for how many family members you get in one go. Yeah, you can get perk points here, too. <laughs> Achievements. <laughs> You know, funny enough, this actually reminds me that uh, here in uh, Minnesota, I think there's actually a thing by the uh, Dead End Hayride where you can actually shoot zombies with paintball guns. What? How does that even work? Like, do they got people in actual zombie outfits? Yeah, they got people in zombie outfits, but they also put, like, uh, armor underneath the costume and give them helmets. And then they have uh, the people get on, like, this battle bus that has, like, paintball turrets out of each of the windows and just... Go to town and start shooting zombies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you ever think at times that, like, zombie culture officially goes, like, a little too far? Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, that's all good fun and stuff, but it's like... <laughs> How far do, like, you really need to experience... Like, there's such an... I find that, like, there's... In, like, zombie culture today, there's such a need more than there ever was before, to, like, actively participate in it. Yeah. Like, it's not enough to consume zombie culture. You need to actually perform it, like... It's something performative you actually have to do in real life. Like it's more than just, like, buying those zombie survival kits. Like, you probably have to get in and actually shoot something. I blame... I partially blame The Walking Dead. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's That series, like, just, like, for how many seasons it's lasted, like, it really just made it... Well, I guess I put over, like, the, the everyman experience of, like, you know, having to deal with zombies or something. But then, like, it just went, like, crazy where, where like, everyone was all just, where everyone was just like, I want to kill zombies in real life. <laughs> I want to be Norman Reedus. And then you get, I want to be Norman Reedus. I want to be uh, Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be Negan. <laughs> Oh, God. Like, I don't know. Like, that's, I. you just see, like, <laughs> you just see, like, a, a little too many people and, like, in that whole culture now, they're just like, I want to actually bash a, bash a zomb- zombie's brain in. I want to be a zombie hero, I want to be a killer. <laughs> I want to, like, kill things without, like, any repercussions. I want to flaunt my dick without taking my pants off. I want to defend my family in a really, like, macho, masculine way <laughs> and feel absolutely justified. I want to use a board with a nail in it. Oh, God. I, I really don't like some of those types. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the, like I think it's kind of gotten a little too far with those types. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll say the whole thing with the Dead in Hayride thing. Interesting concept, though I think it probably should have been done years ago. Right, right. Uh, but the End family has arrived just in time for the festivities, and I just, again, love how nonplussed Shin and Noe are about the about all this. They're like, oh, zombies. Wow. It's like, oh, I guess our magic did kind of cause this. Yeah. Want to have a competition to see who can kill more? <laughs> <laughs> and poor Fujita is just shitting himself like a little babby. And Ebisu is being Ebisu, and she ends up being zombie food and turned into a zombie. <laughs> and Noe's just all annoyed by this, where she's all like, oh, are you kidding me? I just fixed you up. Well, the, the the one thing that I think makes... Well, I think Noe in particular is very important to the overall... Uh, to, to everything in uh, Doro Hidoro, because with her magic, uh, literally, like, no injury ever matters. Yeah. At all. <laughs> Like, they clarify that her magic is, like, one of the rarest out there because it can instantly heal any in- injury. So, yeah, in your series where you have a character like this, absolutely have people get sliced up constantly. Like, there's moments where people get shot in the head, but, like, it's like, no, she can heal them. Right, exactly. Like, she can be shot in the head, but her yeah. smoke just <laughs> auto-heals her. She can be blown to bits, but the smoke can heal her. Now, well, I will say there is a limit to her magic. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there is. At least, yeah, as far as, like, some things go, but, uh... No, we'll get into that later. 
but then the uh, end family comes across Kaimini Nikaido, and then the real battle is on here. And Shinonoi end up handling Kaimini Nikaido fairly easily, and they end up decapitating Kaimin too. As Shin just chopping off Kaimin's head with the opposite end of the hammer. It's just, honestly, it's kind of badass here. Just kind of yanks it off. Yeah, while his head is still in Kaimin's mouth, just grabbing at it, blood's just spewing all over this place. Shin's got the crazy eyes going, just like, come on, die! Like, it's it's pretty cool. And then Nikaido uses her magic power to create a door and escape with Kaiman's uh, body and head, revealing that uh, she too is a sorcerer here. And uh, by the way, uh, zombies, I gotta say, uh, they work on vampire logic, so they die by sunlight, so we don't have to worry about them later. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very that's that's very convenient. Uh, anyway, a few days later, Kaiman's a-okay as his head just grows back. I mean, he is a lizard, so you know, they, they're known to grow back their tails and stuff. Oh, you have no idea how sinister that head regrowing is. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, I will say, like, I love that he keeps his uh, previous head in a jar, you know, just like like a Futurama head. Yeah, he just puts it in formaldehyde and it's, you know, fine. He's like, hey, check out, my, check out my severed head here. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> uh, also, we should probably keep that whole Nikaido being a sorcerer thing a little on the down low here. But uh, let's focus on uh, dissecting Kaiman's severed head. Though, uh, during the procedure, the power goes out and the head is stolen. And someone was certainly trying to get a head in life. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, we, we've no idea who might have stolen that. No, that's uh, one of the many mysteries in this series that doesn't get revolved this season. Yeah, plenty, myster- plenty of mysterious things keep happening around Kaimon in particular. Just mysterious shadowy figures just kind of doing stuff in the background here. Because even when his head got uh, ripped off, like, another head was seen within the spurt of blood. That was, like, that's another unexplained thing. There's, like, there's a lot of mystery that gets built up with Kaimon early on. And again, it just kind of relates to the whole... Like, this series does have its fair share of long-term booking ideas. There, There's so much long-term booking in Dorohidoro. But it just makes but it just makes you want to crave more, like, where does this go? Like, I do crave more, and I love me a good mystery. And, uh, by the way, I want to bring up here, uh, this really weird scene with N and his, uh, broom, his flying motorcycle. <laughs> like, it's just so random. Just cuts back to him in his mansion, and he's just got this flying motorcycle that he can also use to, like, sweep up around the place. Well, it's, well, yeah, it, like, it, it's powered on smoke, and then, like, it's, uh, and then it can also, like, sweep up excess smoke and stuff. Because, like, again, all the sorcerers, they get around through, like, uh on a sort of, like, man-made uh, brooms, like a witch's broom or something. And uh, they also get around on uh, other things, like um, like magic carpets and stuff. You know, like, everything in this world is, like, a lot of, most of the stuff in this world is, like, powered through smoke. And I guess I didn't, like, explain this yet, but, like, magic in Dorohidoro is very different from another kind of, like, series out there, because magic is um, all created through smoke that comes from a sorcerer's body. Yeah, but it's like a it's like a specific vein inside their artery. It's like something physical actually inside that of produces smoke inside their body. Yes, exactly. And uh, often they need to uh, release the smoke through different parts of their body. Typically, the hands. You know, you tend to see like some kind of attachments on like their hands or yeah, something. Shoot it out of their fingers. That allows them to shoot smoke out of their hands. Or uh, you can be like N, where you shoot it out of your mouth as well. Mm-hmm. There, there's different ways to really expel ones smoke but the other interesting thing about smoke is that it can also be it's a physical thing though so it can actually be put away in jars yep and it can even be sold Sold to pawn shops magic pawn shops yes this this is one of the things that kind of attracted me to the series 
is just how magic works. Like, wow, it's an actual, like, physical thing you can sell, like, on the market, you know? Like, and it's got, like, a unique look to it as well, and it can have different effects. Like, it's different. It's very different. Uh, so, uh, after the whole thing with the, uh, the motorcycles, the brooms here, uh, the end family then pays a visit to a sorcerer named Turkey, played here by Christopher Corey Smith, and his character design lives up to his name, as it's just a, a body with, like, a cooked turkey for a head. <laughs> this, yeah, but they're like a, they're, they're, a, they're a main, like, circle member of the family, yeah. though. <laughs> but they just live on a cottage where, like, presumably they just cook or something. Yeah, this, this person can cook and also, like, make clones out of uh, people with, like, smoke magic and also, like, regular just cooking abilities here. Well, the, the, the way their magic works is that, like, yes, they, they, they can create copies of other people's bodies out of, uh, sort of, like, meals that they make <laughs> so the first meal here is a delicious looking roast duck with like shallots and like you know like a marinade or something looks absolutely wonderful it looks delicious but and but yeah then they use like the smoke of somebody else and like you you think of the person that you want to track down and like the smoke that you use and i guess it gets used in like the the the, the baked item there and then turkey adds their smoke and then like it creates once the baking is all done, it creates a copy of that person, a sort of, like, living doll that doesn't speak or can't use any magic, but it will go to the areas that um, the person you are trying to track down, the person that they copied, were originally at, like, when they were still living. It's kind of, it's a little complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not explaining it well. Yeah, I'll split seeing some of it. I'm Turkey. I'm a sorcerer who creates living dolls. Living dolls? Oh, so you don't believe me? Well, then I'll make one for you. Here's what I want you to do. Think of someone you're familiar with while you fill this jar with smoke. Hmm. I guess he'll do. All right. Please wait a bit. Basically, Turkey's dolls are alive. They mimic the habits of the person they're made to resemble. The most interesting thing about his dolls is that they tend to go wherever the original person is. I see. If we have him make a doll of the man inside the lizard's mouth and follow it, we can find out who the lizard man really is. It's done! Enjoy your meal! <laughs> what do you think? Looks like your partner, down to every little nook and cranny. Wow, I'm impressed, Turkey. It looks exactly like Noe. Right, Shin? I'm not so sure it would go that far. Shin! Where are you? Hey, Shin! Hurry! Make it disappear! Please get rid of it! Excuse me. Oh, uh, Shin! <laughs> hey, sorry for being late. Uh, where's my mask? Did you bring it? Oh, uh, yeah, here. Huh. Something smells yummy in here. All right, I will now explain how to make the doll. These are the ingredients. Cut the onions and the celery into small pieces and put them in a blender. Add some cognac, port wine, salt and pepper and mix well. Pound the duck thoroughly to soften. Tie it up with string and place it in the oven. Pour some of shin smoke and some fond de veau onto it every 10 minutes and roast it slowly. It's all done!
it makes a dummy that like can track down the person that like it's copying basically also i gotta talk about like in the dub here the voice for turkey that uh christopher cory smith does it's it's pretty hilarious like i say it's he's kind of like doing almost like a snagglepuss impression here it sounds a little bit like snagglepuss yeah yeah <laughs> but like this whole thing is like presented through like a big cooking show too with like going through each of the steps too like you would see on a show because that's exactly how it was in the manga yeah. <laughs> Like, they painstakingly go over every detail of how this, like, roast duck gets made. <laughs> and then, boom, it gets turned into a copy of Noi as a, an example. Yeah, Big Nick and Noi. That's <laughs> Shin's freaking out about. Uh, let's see let's see Soma Yukihira from Food Wars do that. <laughs> oh, but the one thing that's, like, so... F- the, the one thing that's so funny, though, is that... Uh, oh, God, I wish I could go into this, but, like, in further detail. If you're thinking at one point, well, like, can't you just make, like, a copy out of, like, any kind of food... <laughs> that's a good thing to consider because Q Hayashida remembers that twice later in the series <laughs> and it makes for some really funny moments <laughs> so yeah keep in mind yeah this is these are the kind of dummies that can be made with professionally made food <laughs> don't worry if you want to see what what a dummy looks like if it's made out of crappy food you'll be re- you'll be justly rewarded as this as uh, the series goes into later seasons ah perfect <laughs> So, uh, Turkey creates a clone of a guy that might lead the family to the sorcerer that turned Kaiman into a lizard man. Also, a uh, set clone of the guy also has the same uh, red crosses on his eyes that uh, Kaiman has, and also spikes on the back of his head, too. Uh-huh. So, the clone leads the End family to an abandoned apartment where they discover a rotting head in a safe. And after fighting the clone for it, Noe heals the head and discovers that it's the same as the clone, a member of the anti-magic cross-eyes gang that opposes the End family. Uh, later on, uh, the end family intends a fancy party here, and make sure you got your nose plugs on because uh, this party has a pretty interesting set decoration here. Right, right. We're 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 past like the cross eye stuff for now. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll get back to that. Yeah, they got a party to it. The end family has a party to attend to. A party with uh, hanging corpses from the ceiling. <laughs> I'm just not realizing a lot of this stuff goes by so fast, but, like, in the manga, like... Because it's one thing I will n- remark on the Doro Hidoro is that the pacing uh, it feels a lot quicker than how it is in the manga. As someone who hasn't read the manga, I do also kind of get that impression, too. Well, well, yeah, like, the first, like, episode alone is, like, comp- is like three or four, like, chapters compressed into one. That's the, that's the first episode of the series. <laughs> <laughs> Kyuhai Ishida, as a writer and as an artist, she layers a lot into her manga. A lot. In fact, I do know of, like, some things that are cut out of the anime, at the very least. I know there was at least one encounter with a sorcerer who had been rigging boxing matches that (laughs) Nikaido and Kaimon get uh, involved in. Although, when I looked at, like, it entirely, like, there wasn't a whole lot paired out. But, like, there are some, like, smaller things. There's also some, like, omakes that are, like, relegated to the um, uh, special episode as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the I have to say, overall, if I had to choose between the two, I like the pacing in the manga way more. Because it's just more for you to kind of... It's... I compare it to, like, popping caramels versus savoring caramels. Ah, okay. The manga <laughs> is savoring caramels. The anime is popping caramels. I can I can see that, yeah. You're still eating delicious caramels at the end, or at least processing them in different ways. So yeah, I understand that like to some people out there like <laughs> it can seem like we're unloading a lot all at once. And we are glancing some details here, but that's only because like there's a lot to talk there about. There is a lot to talk about. In Doro Hidoro. <laughs> 
But yes, like, it's just the way the, the flow of the series kind of goes, because now we're at a party. Yeah, and just just the image of, like, everyone at this fancy party, like, the shot of Shinonoi just casually chowing down on plates of, like, chicken, burgers, and donuts while there's dead bodies hanging from the ceiling, while in the background you can hear the low buzz of flies just, just swarming around each of the corpses. Notably, the joke about them eating, like, plates of, like, burgers and chicken and donuts and stuff was not present in the manga. Ah, so... Although it is a bit of... Although it is a slight running gag that they both have, like, big appetites. Yeah, like, in this shot here, like, anytime they cut to a different shot and then cut back to them, they just have, like, a different plate of food. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, that's just, like... But, yeah, that's that's just, like, the anime doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's still a running gag in the manga. Like, they're two big... They're, they're two big people, and they're two big eaters. Yeah. Though with the nose plugs, I'm surprised they're able to taste anything. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the real reason we're here is that N hopes to recruit a potential partner, a sorcerer with the ability to bring people back from the dead. And then we get introduced to the concept of uh, black powder, which is an illegal substance that boosts magical power. Think the uh, quirk-enhancing drugs from my hero here. Right. Uh, they find a woman that N wants to partner with, but it turns out she's been uh, dropping black powder, and N doesn't take too kindly to that. You know, he, he doesn't want anyone sullying magic that way. Right. You know, he's a straight-edge sorcerer, I'll have you know. Well, actually, I will say, at, like, N's attitude towards, like, black powder is more just like, God, where, who are these losers that need steroids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, like, going hand-in-hand hand with, like, the mean-spirited humor of the series, like, stronger sorcerers are just dicks to lesser yeah. sorcerers. <laughs> and yeah, if you just, yeah, t- using black powder in this world... It's not so much that you're selling the name of magic, it's more that you're just a loser who yeah. has to use that to enhance your abilities. You know, and probably pulls up their, like, charts and shows, like, the the, the black powder in their system, going, and he goes like, Oh, what's this? Testosterone? Oh, no, what is that? The juice? <laughs> just running them down. Like, he's not running a dare program here or anything. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> or you're fucking lame. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to be cool and use... Pure magic. <laughs> uh, but then it turns out the real sorcerer who gives life wasn't uh, the woman they found, but actually this small little cat-dog creature that lived in her dress. It will never be explained what this thing actually is. Yeah, but we do know that this thing's name is Kikurage, played here by Cassandra Lee Morris. Oh, I'm so glad they uh, kept that name for uh, this little weird cat creature thing, because uh, in the Viz translation, uh, they use the... they. they I don't like this. They use the literal word Judas's ear... Ah, uh, really? To refer... No, because that's, that's like what Kikuragi is. Yeah, that's is. what it means, but it's like they use the literal translation? Right, right, they use the literal translation. Although I don't know why it's not like... Uh, Wood's ear or like Blackwood's ear, because like Judas's ear, like that's kind of like a frowned upon like name for like the for like the actual mushroom that uh, Kikurage takes the takes the name of because her ears look like uh, like the ear fungus. Yep. I don't know. I do know like Judas's ear also has like uh, some like some other like anti-Semitic like origins in its name, so it's like a frowned upon name. Ah. So it's like when I hear, and and it's and it does not roll off the tongue in the Viz translation. No, it doesn't. Find, it, it doesn't. Here, little Judas's ear, <laughs> Judas's ear, get over here, Judas's ear, revive this person, <laughs> please. It's a mouthful. I know. Kikurage sounds cute. Yep. It it actually does. It rolls off the tongue a lot better, and it can actually sound kind of endearing. Also, this little thing is adorable. 
Yes, Kigurage is very adorable. And it and they're Anne's favorite thing in the whole wide world. Like, Anne loves Kigurage to death. Anne immediately warms up to Kigurage like a pet. Just builds a little home for them and just goes like, Oh, aren't you sweet, Kigurage? You're so adorable. And yes, her special ability is that her uh, smoke is white and it can bring people back to life. Kikurage is the other reason as to why like, so much like death and gruesome stuff can exist in Dorohidoro. Because you've got Noi, who can heal things, but she can't bring things back to life. Kikurage can bring things back to life. Because <laughs> it's noted that um, the, the thing that, uh, that uh, all sorcerers have a little tumor inside their head... That is in the shape of a devil, and that is their life force. <laughs> and Kikurage's magic uh, can bring the little devil tumor back to life, and that is how death does not matter in Dorohidoro. <laughs> so with Noi, injuries don't matter, and with Kikurage, death does not matter. Injuries and death do not matter in Dorohidoro with these two characters. Well, we can get the ball rolling with that. Let's see how far we can take this. Everyone here, go ahead and fuck each other up. No <laughs> limits. Absolutely. That is like that is like the pre- that is like the pretext for all the violence and action in Dorohidoro, and it's wonderful. I love that injuries and death don't matter in Dorohidoro. They're like the they're like the show's version of the Konami code. You know, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. But then, as the series goes on, it actually plays with the idea of, like, okay, well, how can you actually kill someone in this world? Ah. How far, like, how far do you need to go to kill someone in this world? Ah, mm. that's, that's where things get interesting. <laughs> Doro Hidoro, it, it if anything, it really does live up to, like, every concept it introduces. It really does. Uh, so, uh, meanwhile, we're introduced to another character that could, uh, could help Kaiman. Introducing Professor Kasukabe, played here by Griffin Burns. At first glance, you might think, like, oh, he's a little kid, you know, little Doogie Howser here, but uh, he's actually a 60-year-old man whose sorcerer's turned into a little kid. Mm-hmm. And he shows us this door made from sorcerer corpses, which leads to their world. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> Ed Gein here just made us a door out of people, and we're going to use it to go into the sorcerer's world. And he's this happy little smiling guy here doing all of this. Yeah, this <laughs> this is like another segment that actually kind of got pared down a bit because there was actually a whole bit about how his mansion was haunted, kind of. Yeah, they do cover that a little bit. Where like that that's actually expanded on more in the manga, but that's more like just like you know peppering the world a little bit, flavoring it. Yeah, where it's like uh, kind of sorcerer like smoke residue is just all over the mansion, which causes it to like turn into like almost this topsy turvy place. It felt like, way longer in the manga. Oh, I'm sure it was. Expanded on a little bit more. But yeah, we got Kasukabe here. He is a researcher into sorcerers, finds them fascinating, and he just casually made a door out of sorcerers' bodies that's going to be that he's offering Nikaido and Kaimon to use to travel to the sorcerer world. Looking like the Necronomicon from Evil Dead here. Yes, it absolutely does. It is horrifying. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but he's all like, "Yeah, check out my door. It's pretty great, huh?" <laughs> Anyway, time to sneak into the Sorcerer's World in the episode, which is called uh, Kaiman in Wonderland here. <laughs> Even his disguise for the world is uh, White Rabbit-esque, too. Mm-hmm. God, like every, like, every time you see a title, like, pop up in the series, just know it's, like, the title of a chapter in the manga. Which should give you an idea of just how much gets compressed down into Doro Hidoro. Like, there are times where there's, like, an episode where you see three different titles throughout the episode. Yeah, just know that they are compressing down that much to make the anime... They are. They they really are. Yeah. And yet, it's still 
I would say overall, it still feels overall smooth. They they keep everything they need to in the series. I can sense it does feel fast, but it's like it does flow really well too. Yeah, that was that was overall very surprising to me when I saw these when I was because I was like rereading the like how much the anime adapts. The anime adapts approximately forty to forty one chapters Ooh. from the manga into twelve episodes. Oh, wow. Now. <laughs> To other works out there, that's a that's a lot to compress down. I want you to consider that One Piece is roughly one chapter equals one episode. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> maybe Doro Hidoro could have done the same. But at the same time, I, I like they work well with what they're given. Yeah. This but... is actually one of the more smoothly adapted works out there that compresses a lot down into like one solid season. Looking when I was comparing the two, I was genuinely surprised. Like, wow, how does this all still work? <laughs> like, does Kyushita really just obsess over l- every little detail or something, <laughs> and she just ex- expresses it in these like long chapters and over a good long chapters that like goes on for like quite a long while, <laughs> or is it just like these the, the, the people adapting this are like just that good? Yeah, I I don't know what the answer is really there. But it all works in the end. I don't... It's weird. It actually all works. Either the people adapting it are that good, or they're forced to be that good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I don't know which it is. I don't. <laughs> oh, uh, I gotta bring up the scene here where uh, Fujita and Ebisu run into some bullies, and then Shinonoi come to their rescue, and they end up brutally murdering the bullies. They cut one in half, and then they, uh, they, they burst out the heart of the other. <laughs> <laughs> And then they slap them together like a sandwich, and they're just like, one bully sandwich, hot and ready to serve. <laughs> it's just as funny in the manga. And then they go out for ice cream afterwards. And they just go out for ice cream afterwards. <laughs> and you just see Fujita, he's got this Because fuck them, they were bullies. It just Like Fujita, he just has this look on his face going all like, we're doing this right now. Yeah, it's like the end family, they don't give a shit about others. No. Really? <laughs> But interestingly, the one thing they do not tolerate at all is like bullying others. No, they don't like they don't like actively like oppressing other sorcerers at all. They will absolutely leave them to their devices, and they won't and they will they won't really do anything to like improve their lot in life. But they won't actively like oppress them either. Like if like above all else, they don't like that because that goes for Shinonoi, that goes for N. Yeah, that goes for pretty much the entire N family. Like. They genuinely care about each other, too, like, and they look out for each other, you know, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Right, right. And they do, and they absolutely, the only people they really look out for is members of the family. Oh, yeah. Like, you fuck with N's family, you fuck with anyone in the N family, you fuck with the entire family. Like, when you say N family, you mean N family. Like, like they we, are together. It's it's the only thing N regards as sacred in this world. Yes. Like, family. He actually cares about his subordinates. Yes, he genuinely does. And that's what that's what keeps you going with them. That's what makes me really love this inner circle right here. Like the fact that they don't look down on each other. Like they kind of see each other almost as equals, really. Yeah, that's what's really interesting about the N family that I like like about them. Like a, a weird crime family for fiction, but like really endearing at the end. Uh, oh, another bit I want to bring up here is uh, where uh, Kaiman and Nikaido take a flying carpet taxi here. But they don't have any money, so then Kaiman chomps on the driver's head, has him say, like, you are not the one, and then he just immediately kills him, like, I know that, and then just jumps him off. <laughs> and then the carpet just crashes, because it's powered by smoke, yeah. and <laughs> they killed the driver. <laughs> Kaiman is, uh, way too impulsive. Yeah. 
He, he does not do incognito very well. Most of the series just makes sense as killing funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like, we killed, like, oh, we killed, like, ah, whatever, we killed another sorcerer. What does it matter? But he was our driver. Ah! Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what else is funny? The concept of a flame flush toilet. This is, like, another, like... <laughs> <laughs> Because then they're like, okay, we got to get some information in this world. Well, let's go to a restaurant. Well, they go to the restaurant, and, like, the the staff there is advertising, like, oh, and uh, while you're enjoying your time here, please enjoy our toilet. It goes straight to hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Kaimon tries the toilet, and he's like, what is this? And, like, he, he uses it, and, he's, and he pulls the cord. And just fire flushes out. And there's a sign that says, please enjoy the screams of hell as you're, like, washing up after yourself. And he's like, sorcerers are weird. Yeah, Kaimon. Yeah. That's very weird. This is a very weird world. I like to imagine there's, like, some person out there who used the toilet, didn't know it was a flame flush toilet, and thought it was a bidet. Because you're wondering, like, okay, so so what, do people just burn themselves in the fires of hell as they pull this chain on this toilet? Or are you supposed to, like, wipe, then stand up, and then flush? Honestly, this feels like one of those things that could have been cut out of the series. But it's so this, it's so that's indicative of, like, the type of humor it's in the so show. It's so weird, like, you can't leave it out. I know, like, we, we might come back to this as it goes on, but, like, there's there's certain jokes in the series that just feel... So unique to Q Hayashida as a writer. Just like her weird brand of creepy humor. <laughs> and I feel like the, the the toilet that goes straight to hell is one of those jokes. This feels like something that she probably thought of, like, talking to her friends, being all like, Hey, what if you flushed the toilet and it just went straight to hell? <laughs> and she's all like, what? Inspiration. Uh, meanwhile, we find out the name of the severed head that the N family found. His name is Risu, played here by Billy Commence. And Kaimon even recovers some old memories here, realizing that the man in his mouth is also named Risu. Doesn't know what he looks like, but he knows that's the guy's name. And now the plot starts to thick in here. Right, right. Things kind of just come to Kaimon, like, on occasion. And the N family brings R the Risu head back to life and even gives him his uh, own mechanical body here, too. <laughs> And they try interrogating him, but they can't really get anything out of him. He's just being an annoying asshole. <laughs> like, even N says, like, this asshole. <laughs> so, Kamen and Nikaido split up to cover more ground, and this is where Nikaido meets with a devil named Asu, who reveals that Risu is being held by N, so then she uh, breaks into the mansion to uh, get him out. And here, this is where she encounters uh, Noe again, and the two just have this stiff-as-fuck fight right here, like... Minoru Suzuki and Tomohiro Ishii right here. I mean, one thing that does fill up chapters in Doro Hidoro is the exceptionally well-drawn fight scenes. Oh, yeah. And so, appropriately, the anime has really baller fight scenes. Yeah. Just two... <laughs> they move with, like, very good kinetic motion, and you can follow the action very well. And Perfect right here with, like, two of, like, the best, like, hand-to-hand -hand fighters in the show, right? Oh, yeah, it's all it's so fun to see Nikaido and Noi fight in the series. With, like, Nikaido, like, jumping and bouncing off the walls, going for, like, hicks and everything, or, like... Earlier during the uh, Night of the Living Dead part where, like, she punches, or she kicks Noe right in the gut, and Noe's all like, oh, you really rattled my insides, and then spits out blood right there. A everyone is a treat to watch fight in Doruhidoro. You just can't look away. It's like watching a stiff New Japan match right here. So, N finds out about Nikaido going after Risu, and he gets to him just in time for Nikaido to come crashing through the window. Uh, then Nikaido punches N right in his face, shattering his mask, which enrages him and causes his magic to just 
go absolutely nuts and turns everything in the vicinity into mushrooms. That's N when he doesn't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> when he doesn't hold back, he's just an atom bomb of mushrooms. He turns the whole building into mushrooms, too. Like, Jesus. <laughs> He accidentally turns his own subordinates into mushrooms, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, with this and, like, uh, Little Witch Academia last year, like, this is the second anime we've covered where a character causes, like, a big explosion of mushrooms. Yeah, two characters absolutely obsessed with mushrooms. Yeah. yeah Susie and N would get along well. Give me some Susie and N fan art here. <laughs> so, Riso uses the confusion to peace out, and Nikaido does the same and gets back to Kaiman with a mushroom sprouting out of her back. Oof. While she recovers, Kaiman learns from Vo and Kasukabe that uh, they know Shin as a former patient of theirs. And uh, we get a bit of uh, Shin's backstory here. Get it to uh, fill us in here. Ah, yes, Shin's backstory. Well, Shin's backstory is that um, originally he came from Hole. He was born from a, a human father and a sorcerer mother. His mother was killed off when he was young. But, uh, you know, he, he grew up uh, incognito, sort of, uh, not really knowing about, you know... Uh, knowing that he had, like, this magic lineage, but, you know, keeping it hidden as he was growing up, uh, working under his father as a carpenter and stuff. But then uh, he got a cut in his hand one day, smoke came out, because, of course, blood mixes with smoke and stuff. He got ratted on by one of his dad's, uh, like, one of his dad's helpers. And then, um, yeah, like, uh, some uh, humans who, uh, back in that day, uh, back in those old days, did not take shit from sorcerers and fought back. But we're also really uh, prejudiced against all sorcerers. Uh, basically raided their house. Uh, like, his dad uh, helped Shin get away. Uh, but then Shin's dad let it slip that, like, no, my son's half half sorcerer. and then, He gets it from his mother. <laughs> he gets it from his mother. And then... The guy's like, what'd you say? Like, oh. And then the, the lynch mob did not take very well to that. And, no. Uh, well, when Shin tried to go back and look for his dad to try and flee town, uh, the, the the lynch mob had gotten to him and killed him. And then Shin killed them. Brutally, with his signature weapon, the uh, first time using the backside of the hammer. Yes, did not have anything else to lose anymore. And just like the animation here, like, uh, interestingly enough for this flashback, it's uh, all 2D instead of CGI. Yeah, I noticed that. That was kind of interesting. And it still looks really good and just... The expression on young Shin as he's just killing, slicing down these guys, just getting the crazy eyes and everything. Like, it's, it's really something. Oh yeah, it's, it's just as gruesome as in the manga. Like, it really does, the, it, the anime really does it justice right here. It's, it's a very, like, brutal, like, moment where Shin decides he's not gonna, like, you know, take shit from anyone anymore. But, like, it does make me wonder, though, like, what... What purpose does it overall serve having this scene in, like, just 2D animation compared to the rest of the series? I wonder if it's, like, to signify that this is in present time, so maybe that's just one way to do it. Like, rather than, say, like, put a filter over the screen with, like, the hue around, just make everything 2D to, like, let everyone know, like, okay, this is probably in the past, not currently going on. I guess that works fine enough. Yeah, that's what at least I thought was their mindset. Right, right. Didn't they actually do that with... Oh, wait, I think they did that again with uh, another flashback. They did that with another flashback later, though. There's also another flashback where they kind of mix the two, where, like, certain characters are CG, but certain characters are still 2D. Hmm. That's weird. You think it would have kept that, like, Yeah, you think it would, insane. but, like, while I was watching this again, I was just all like, oh, that's... This flashback isn't 2D. Yeah, that was, was like a... Work. Yeah, like a weird stylistic choice. Yeah. But like it, it does. It is something. It is at least something your eyes catch, and I guess in that regards, it does serve well for flashbacks. I guess like oh, flashbacks all two D, like present times, like mix. You yeah, know? mostly CG, but two D with close ups. Right. 
And uh, we do see uh, Sheen meeting uh, Kasakabi and Vo for the first time, where it's, like, this, like, brutal shot of, like, Sheen kind of looking for the source of his smoke as he's just chopped up his both of his arms just to pieces. And this is where I begin to realize, okay, maybe if they did a straight adaption and did not censor, like, any of the gore in the anime, it would be a little gruesome for some people, <laughs> because, like, the, the gore in the manga is really freaking gruesome. <laughs> Like, they show, like, on panel, like, the nerves get, the smoke nerves, like, being, like, being pulled Uh. out of Shin's arm by Dr. Kasukabe. Like, oh, here are your smoke ducks right here. Like, yeah, you'll be able to use magic from now on. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's cool, Kyushida, but, like, this is actually pretty gruesome to look at. (laughs) Maybe it's for the better. Some parts are, uh, toned down a little bit. A little bit for TV. You're already getting, like, tons of gruesome violence here. Like, we can we can tone down some parts a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some parts. It's a bit like uh, I've been watching the uh, new Higurashi series where, like, sometimes they just put a big black spot over, like, murder, but then other times it's just like, nah, just show the whole thing. Who cares? No, but for for every for every for every little blackout you get in the series of any gore, you get like you get like three blood spurts. Yeah, you know, just the one point on the Muta scale. <laughs> like, it's enough. It's enough. So uh, then uh, we get a bit here where, like, uh, Kasukabe asks uh, Sheen if he can see his magic sometime after he gets uh, discharged. And right after he leaves the hospital, this, the hospital gets overrun by, like, 46 members of the Neighborhood Association, all chopped up, but still alive as they are chopped up, as that's Sheen's magic right there. Right. Shin, Shin's magic is sort of like Trafalgar Laws from <laughs> yeah. One Piece, where, like, he can cut people up without killing them. Yeah. Although, uh, <laughs> you see ag- the actual, like, like insides. Yeah, you don't see that Shin's in one magic. piece. Right. <laughs> no, but uh, it really is like anything. Like, anything his smoke touches, it gets sliced up. I, th- I don't know. Wait, is it ever, like, clarified if you can actually be pieced back together, though? Uh, I think you can, but I think you probably have to patch them together. You can't just, like, do it in one piece where you just put the pieces together and then they're just back together. Yeah, because, like, it kind of just seems like everything is just cut up or something, and you might need, like, healing magic to get put back together. <laughs> Like, well, that's why that's why Noi is his partner. Yeah, because uh, I, I, did, I did skip over this earlier, but the Kaiman did run into uh, one of uh, Sheen's victims of this earlier on in the series, and like he just had to like throw him into the garbage incinerator because mm-hmm. like he's already he's pretty much dead. Like he, there's no saving him. Right, right. Otherwise, your life is just like you're just sliced up pieces of meat. You're just uh, just a head rolling around on the floor. <laughs> Also, hey, good guy Sheen keeping his promise to show Kasukabe his magical abilities. And Kasukabe is the type of person who t- doesn't really look at, like, the gruesomeness of the situation. Because <laughs> it's shown in this be- in this flashback that Kasukabe, he's, he's a bit of a... He's, he's a bit of a mad doctor, kind of. <laughs> he only really cares about research. He doesn't care about healing people. He just likes to learn about things. And uh, he doesn't really care how. I mean, he's, he won't, like, perform gruesome operations on people so much, but, like, you know, if you're if, if you're pretty much dead or, like, if the, the situ- situation is gruesome, like, he'll just take advantage of the situation. He's a curious fellow. He's, he's curious. <laughs> he, he has to know. Back in present day, uh, Nikaido gets kidnapped. Uh, Kaiman gives chase, but then runs into a giant cockroach. <laughs> giant cockroach and sneakers named Johnson, by the way, played here by Joseph Wims. I think Q Hayashida has said at one point uh, sometime that she finds uh, cockroaches cute or something. Uh, I, th- I think it's actually, uh, she loves insects, but she doesn't like cockroaches. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. 
So make one of them a bit of an antagonist for a little bit in the series right here. Right, right. The sneakers on this thing just kills me. <laughs> and honestly, when you really think about it, the show is like, I feel sneakerheads would love this show because everyone's got some pretty sweet kicks. Yeah, everyone does actually in the show. You know, I know my friends who've been trying to turn me into a sneakerhead would probably love this. <laughs> Uh, but Kaiman stops the kidnapper and Johnson, but uh, before the kidnapper dies, he says he recognizes Kaiman a little bit here, especially the red eyes. Yeah, so close, yet so far. Can you believe that that still gets brought back way later in the series? Ah, Re- uh, really? That really does. <laughs> this this guy was trying to get, like, some, like, a uh, refuse from, a, like, a magic user or something in, like, Nikaido, you know, but he made a little mistake here. Yeah, he he actually, but yeah, the whole bit about him, the whole like info there about like how he saw Kaimon before he had become a lizard-headed man, God, that that is something that it gets sat upon for like way later mm. on. <laughs> and holy shit, is it still satisfying when it gets brought back? <laughs> like wow. <laughs> like remember this like throwaway guy right here who like mutated Johnson from a cockroach into like. A giant mutant cockroach. Like, it's actually important later on. Yeah, folks at home, keep this in your back pocket for the future. Like, holy shit. (laughs) And with that revelation, uh, we have reached the halfway point of the show. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with the rest of Dorohidoro Season 1. sure you watch closely. I am what you would call a real sorcerer. One, two, three, four. How many of them did you clean up so far? I'm positive I'll get to take revenge for Matsumura. Just you wait, you damn lizard! Stop! <laughs> what are you doing, Emisu? Hold on! I'm hungry! Get 
I didn't understand a single word. back with the second half of Doro Hidoro Season 1, and we're also back with the N family as Fujita's feeling super down in the dumps because N hasn't found him a new partner yet to replace Matsumura. You know, he'll get to it, it's just, you know, he's got a lot on his plate here. And doesn't help that Ebisu is also constantly taunting him and calling him a loser with an ugly face and a big butt and his butt smells and he likes to kiss his own butt. <laughs> but uh, not wanting to be a butt-kissing loser anymore, Fujita along with Ebisu head to the hole to find and kill Kaiman. And also, while this is going on, we find out that uh, Ebisu has actually, uh, in the past, sold her smoke to one of the uh, magic pawn shops in this world. Uh, they were able to find some uh, leftover remnants from a pawn shop. But uh, she doesn't really remember it because we're, you know, mind being scrambled eggs at this point. Right, right. Her her she, her body was healed, but her mind is uh, still off in La La Land. And after analyzing it, we'll soon know what kind of magic she does, so hold on to that one. Meanwhile, uh, you know, throughout the course of this uh program we've done here we've gone through a lot of the uh, certain anime tropes specific episodes you know had your beach episodes we had your school festival episodes but uh one we haven't really gotten to and that's a uh, baseball episode ah uh, yes the baseball episode because the japanese love baseball playing baseball with kaiman and nikaido playing baseball ebisu and fujita <laughs> Uh, and Doro Hidoro is no different. <laughs> As uh, Dr. Vo's hospital is going, is going up against a uh, rival hospital, the uh, the Peace Sharks to their worms. And uh, the rivals even added uh, Fujita and Ebisu to their team too. Though uh, Ebisu is more so the team mascot rather than a player. And she's also a baby shark. No, 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 no. Like, I tried so hard to get the, the rhythm of that song out of my head before. <laughs> don't do not do it to me now. <laughs> yeah. I to don't even play a clip. No, I don't even want to be associated with that. You don't even get to play a clip. What about a clip of her chant? Yes, you can play her chant. A triangle comes out of the water! 
girls reflected in its black eyes. Tear up all their flesh! Drench the blue ocean in red blood! And then their bones... Yeah! Shark bite! Shark bite! Go, go, peace shark! Go! We are not doing baby shark on this program. <laughs> I refuse to be associated with that. Uh, but uh, still, this is all just... Super fucking weird. <laughs> like, we see some of the players that's on Vo's team, and, like, the first batter up is Masamura's dead body Frankenstein together by Kasukabe. Because, of course. Because <laughs> nothing's sacred in this world. Yeah. Ain't nothing in the rules saying a Frankenstein can't play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and this just, just serves to piss off Fujita even more, just them desecrating his old partner's body like this. Uh, but, now, but now he realizes, oh, he's got the body now. Ah, Kikurage can revive that. Yeah. And I can get Matsumura back. <laughs> so now the the game becomes to yeah, get Matsumura's body out of there. Also, another player that Vo's team has is uh, Johnson. He's now made the, the baby face turn here, and now he's being controlled. Yes, he's being controlled by waves that can be brought out by Dr. Kasukabe that can only be understood by insects. <laughs> and uh, He's pretty docile now, though he can... And he can even say... Uh, one, you can even now say one word. Shocking. Shocking! That is the only word he ever learns. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Fujita, he's the, the team's pitcher, and he's, uh, having a hard time until, like, you just get this bit where Ebisu just, like, goes up to him and says, you know, you can use magic, right? He's like, <laughs> oh, I can just use my smoke to, like, launch the baseball like a bullet. Yeah, because, like, all his smoke can be used for is just, like, being shot out like a bullet. But he can use that, and it's weak, but, like, he can use that, uh... Give a little boost to his pitches. Bit of a bit of like a Deku throwing the ball in My Hero Season One. Right, right. The entire team, the Peace Sharks, they just kept. They spent most of the time kind of cheating with like Fujita's magic or using sleeping pills and like their drinks <laughs> that they gave to them. Yeah, th- this is a, this is a very se- funny segment in the anime, and it's and it's a really fucking funny segment in the manga. <laughs> it's also a bit where they try to kill Johnson with pesticide. <laughs> <laughs> But then Johnson just gets sicked upon, like, Ebisu. <laughs> yeah, and just chases her around and everything. Also, like, doesn't the field have, like, a sinking, a sinkhole in the middle of it? There's a sinkhole in the middle that will, like, just, that has no bottom. And if you, <laughs> and they just, and there's just, like, a few boards over yeah, it. Yeah, they just cover over the board, like, the pothole in Hey Arnold. <laughs> why is there a <laughs> Why is it in the outfield to this baseball field? <laughs> But eventually in all the the baseball hoopla right here, uh, Fujita and Ebisu find an opening and sneak away with uh, Frank and Matsumura. And just in time as the rest of the N family finds out what Ebisu's magic does, as uh, Noe gets a bit of a taste of this as it goes right in her face and it turns her into a reptile. Going full Dr. Kirk Connors lizard right here. This leads to actually a pretty fun little fight between her and Sheen as the two just fuck each other up. Like, Sheen gets like his intestines just ripped out like here then she just like kind of slashes her throat there too it's it's pretty nuts <sighs> yeah and they're able to change noe back to normal with the help of another sorcerer named chota played here by uh doug Erholtz. and like with turkey like this is another fun character right here yeah it's it, it really makes you wonder how many n actually has in his how many people n has in his inner circle <laughs> <laughs> and you know turkey you just assume it just wants to be left to themselves <laughs> with Shota, it becomes more quickly, it becomes uh, more notable real quickly why N keeps him at a distance. Yeah. Because <laughs> Chota is just N's biggest fan. Like, Chota loves N like no one else. He, he's just this guy wearing a bird mask. <laughs> 
who's kept in this like room way deep down in an elevator <laughs> in a big cage. <laughs> and and just goes to him if he ever needs uh, magic dispelled because Chota's specialty is uh, getting rid of spells on other people. And he's able to uh, get rid of the uh, reptile spell on Noe with the help of uh, Sheen and some of his like uh, some of his uh, intestines that need to be part of the spell. <laughs> it, it's it's a it's another one of those scenes that just as that's just as weirdly complex as the the turkey one because like he needs to put together all these different like spices and like herbs and stuff. He needs a little bit of smoke. He needs a little bit of smoke from the the person that uh, the person he's healing cares about the most, which in this situation is Shin. He also needs a bit of their entrails, <laughs> which are just hanging out. So so Choda is just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna snip off a little bit of your small intestine here. <laughs> To use in the spell, and then I form it into a mold. The mold creates a little statue of a devil. I put that in the person's mouth. Then I let loose my magic from my hand, which has this big fuck off piercing on it. <laughs> Smoke looks like birds. Goes into the person's mouth. Boom! Spell spell is spell is undone on them. No more lizard. No more lizard. <laughs> so you just got a naked noy here. Yep, another naked noy in front of Sheen. <laughs> Uh, but meanwhile, Frank and Matsumura goes crazy and attacks Fujita and Ebisu. Overwhelmed and under attack, Ebisu then emits a huge amount of magic and transforms herself into a huge dinosaur, causing her to crush Matsumura's remains into a paste in a, in a fit of rage right here. Yes! Her power is, is the power of scary monsters! Yeah, like, isn't this a stand and steel ball run? This is, yeah, Ebisu's power is essentially, like, the, the stand power scary monsters from uh, JoJo Part 7. Yeah, Diego Brando's power. The, that's, that power specifically could turn things into dinosaurs, but Ebisu's just, her magic just turns things into lizards. Yeah. Practically the same thing, though. Yeah, a bit of uh, Amazing Spider-Man in the game here. Oh, Awesome. <laughs> Like, it's amazing. Holy shit, Ebisu. Like, we see this. She can turn people into reptiles. And we find out that Risu, in Kaiman's mouth, said, She's the one. She got in the way. Yeah, some of Ebisu's memories do come do come uh, back a little bit. And she remembers that uh, the man in Kaiman's mouth uh, blames her for getting in his way. Ah, uh, just... And it's like, what does that mean? What, like, it, did she... Is she the... Who, what? Ah... Uh... <laughs> And we don't follow up on this this season. Like this is probably a later thing. Yeah, because this is this is what's this is what makes things kind of interesting for us. Because I know all the mysteries. <laughs> I don't. I know all the answers. You don't. No. But I'm like, not... was that your train of thought as you were going? Like, like, I I have even more questions now. But it's like I'm so intrigued. I want to know. I think at the end of this podcast, I'm going to ask you again what like questions you have for the rest of the series going <laughs> forward. Because I'd be interested to know. Because the, 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 by the end of the season, I think a lot of viewers were left with a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the hole, Kaiman doesn't want uh, Nikaido to get hurt anymore, so uh, he returns to the Sorcerer World alone, leaving her behind. And soon after returning to the Sorcerer's World, he gets a job at a pie shop. Uh, he fell into this job after helping the owner Tanba, played here by Taylor Henry, deal with some goons. And he's all like, I like the cut of your jib. Want a job? <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's just helping a, a broke lizard man down on his luck right here. What a good guy this Tanba is. Tanba's cool. Also looks like a panda man. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's check back in on Risu as he returns to his apartment as we flash back to the day he died. Uh, he was sent on a routine job by the uh, Cross-Eyes gang that he's a part of. But then an unknown assailant fatally stabs him from behind. We don't see the guy, but he's all covered in shadows. But uh, 
Risu sees his reflection only briefly, and he dies, and he does glimpse that it's one of his comrades got a cross-eye tattoo on his eye as he was murdered by a member of his own gang, so just... Things are getting even more interesting right here. And now Risu has a lead here for, like, who killed him. Again, all these mysteries just going on, like, who turned Kaiman into a lizard? Who killed Risu? What is their connection? What is also their connection to Ebisu, probably, with the reptile magic and everything and being the one? Like, I'm guessing that he does know her. Like, at least the Risu in his mouth knows her. Like, <laughs> it's all so... I know, it's all densely layered. Yeah, like, it's just... like a cake. Like... Again, and I love it. Like, the long-term booking of it all. Like, it's so good. So, meanwhile, N begins planning uh, another big festival event. The Blue Night Festival, a multi-day event where a bunch of sorcerers place ads and applications to seek a partner. And ending the event by uh, signing a demon's binding magical contract with their partners, bonding them for the next year. Yeah, I guess it should be uh, clarified right now, like, uh, how big partnerships are in the world of sorcerers. Uh, yeah, like, you, you typically see sorcerers in pairings, you know. That's why we've seen, that's why we've seen Shin and Noi. That's why Fujita cared so much about Matsumura. And why he's trying to get a new partner. Right, right. Even though Ebisu sort of becomes, like, his, de his like, de facto partner. Yeah. But, uh, it's an official thing that needs to be made in the world of sorcerers. Uh, a pact between, uh, devils. Uh, devils which, uh, also exist in this world. <laughs> But the Blue Knight is a very is the very big night where partners are made. And also a very big night where the N family gets to look super dapper. Like, these costumes that they all have on here are pretty, pretty great. Like, this, the, everything with the Blue Knight is, like, one of my favorite things in the entire series. Because it's, like, a weird little snippet of sorcerer culture. <laughs> it's like, you thought, like, the, 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 the toilet to hell was weird? <laughs> the Blue Knight is just, like, a parade of that. <laughs> Also got to bring up uh, Ebisu's outfit filled with a lot of boing. <laughs> <laughs> when they're all getting fitted for like outfits, yeah, she like makes a secret request to uh, just get, just have like, just tit implants with hers. <laughs> big Hitomi Jacob Yabos right here. Yeah, big cartoonishly big honkers. And she's just flaunting them in front of everyone while going boing, boing, boing. <laughs> and you know, you know, like now that conventions are slowly coming back, I better see a cosplay group do these outfits at the first convention I come back. Honestly, all the suits they have here actually look pretty cool. They look so cool. Noise in particular is awesome. Oh, just... <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, uh, yeah, Q Hayashida has a good eye for uh, design in the series. <laughs> and also, like, they point out that uh, Shin is dressed up, even though, like he says, like, it's not really different from what I normally wear. <laughs> Though he did swap out his uh, sneakers for, like, actual dress shoes. And gets a nice, like, striped suit, and he gets Kikurage a matching one. Yeah. Chota just wants angel wings on his. <laughs> <laughs> Fujita just wants something trendy. Yeah, still has his hat, though. <laughs> and it's also around this time we start to realize that, like, when you really look at N's inner circle, like, all the guys, like, here, like, everyone that's been around N, and, like, you look at the family, his inner circle, like, it's these guys specifically. Yeah, this is where. Yeah, this is where. Like, it needs. To, yeah, it needs to be said. Like, this is it. This is. This is technic. This is the inner circle of the N family. These are like the people closest to him. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I can't imagine it any other way. But it's like out of everyone, like them, you choose them. You've got. Yeah, you've got like this like 
tall teenage boy and like this like mentally disturbed young girl. <laughs> you you've got like this big you've got like this beefcake of a lady <laughs> and her like and her like beefcake of a like partner as well. <laughs> and you've got someone in a turkey mask and then and then you've got like a guy in a bird mask. And then there is no final person. <laughs> <laughs> and you have your team mascot, Kikurage. Yes. What a weird bunch. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird bunch. Do you think N looks at his friends right here, and do you think he, like, ranks them? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. He goes, like, okay, first Kikurage, then Shin, then Noe, then Ebisu, then Fujita. Oh, he absolutely does rank his, like, his family members, I'm sure. Wait, Ebisu outranks me? Ebisu ranks me, sir. <laughs> I I know Kikurage is ranked above Fujita. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. Or there's even like a funny point in the manga where like he actually does consider uh like this is kind of a throwaway thing, but like he does and does actually consider Kikurage to be their own person. <laughs> like you act like he actually says like you cannot make Kikurage. Uh, like, I cannot tell Kikurage to revive anyone. That's their decision. <laughs> they have to come to that choice. Right, Kikurage? And Kikurage is just, like, killing a cockroach and, like, bringing it back to life to kill it again over and over again. I mean, this will come up later in the series, but, like, Kikurage is kind of a little shit. Kikurage kind of reminds me a bit. It's more of, like, a shittier version of, like, Kudurun from Tropical Rouge Pretty Cure here. Yes, yes. <laughs> Although, I think Kikurage has a lot more importance overall because, yeah. like, Kikurage literally has the power over life and death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jury's still out on uh, Kudurun as far as the series is going, but still. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> also, we can see that uh, sorcerers can, like, uh, we see that they can fill out uh, partner applications, and we see that uh, Shin and Noe get a lot of applications. And then even Kikurage gets some, uh, gets, like, a stack of papers there, too. <laughs> Kikurage gets a moderate stack, <laughs> making Ebisu, Ebisu jealous, and then it's just like, no one can have Kikurage! <laughs> and Ebisu's not even, like, allowed to be, like, uh, applied to, so, like, she doesn't get anything. And then, uh, poor Fujita only gets two. <laughs> so he's just a big old loser right here, taking an L. <laughs> Fujita takes a lot of L's in the series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only thing that screws him is life. <laughs> Uh, but uh, later on, Noe goes to the toilet alone, only to be blown up by another magic user, uh, Baku, played here by Richard Epcar. Yes, because when it comes to the Blue Knight, like it, like you, you don't even have to have anyone consent to become your partner. No, you can force other people to be your partner. Case in point, right here, where Baku wants to be uh, Noe's partner over Sheen. Yep, yep. So like the the applications are just a formality. If you can force the person to, you want to be your partner into a Big floating house in the sky <laughs> that is run by devils. They will become your partner, no matter what. Like they will be forced to become your partner. Yeah, it's it's that kind of like eater eater be eaten kind of like thing going on right now. Like, and it goes on for three nights. You know, if you can like force someone down, grab them by the wrist, and have them sign the contract, legally binding, totally counts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> And then Sheen is attacked by a sniper named Yaku, played here by Damon Mills, who is firing syringes at him. Like, that's honestly kind of cool. Like, you know, you, you know, you can do bullets or anything. Like, no, full-on syringes right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, this, but these two are very familiar to Shin and Noi, because these are two guys who were gunning for Noi in the past. Uh, care to give some details? So, yeah, uh, Fujita here, at this point in the story, finally asks N, 
Uh, Shin and Noi are like really close with each other, even compared to like uh, you know other partnerships out there. What's their backstory? <laughs> and then's like, well, we've got some downtime, and this was an entire chapter in the manga. <laughs> so yeah, let's do that in this episode. So uh, not long after Shin uh, got his arms uh, badly stitched back together, still rotting by the way. <laughs> yep, and got his way back to the world of sorcerers. He was basically just a hoodlum by this point, and he robbed the wrong store. And the store was, uh, well, guarded by uh, the cousin of N, Noi, who was uh, at this time wearing some, like, armor to uh, disguise herself. Well, one thing led to another, and uh, Shin uh, finally got his arms healed by a magical healer that he was looking for. And he was very thankful to Noi after that, and uh, one thing led to another, and... uh, well, Shin ends up uh, joining the N family because he needs some work, you know, and becomes one of N's cleaners. And, uh, the, you know, to the surprise of Noi, obviously, because, uh, you know, she's just now becoming, like, acquainted with this guy. So it's like, oh, wow, that guy healed. He's actually, like, working with me now. And uh, Noi at that time was training to become a devil because <laughs> this is another thing I need to explain in this world. <laughs> All the devils in Dorohidoro that we've been talking about before, they're like an entire social caste above the sorcerers. Because all the devils, except for one, were former sorcerers. Because the next level from being a sorcerer is a devil, because that grants you immortality. (laughs) And so the way you do that is to basically get tests from other devils. And that that is what Noi was doing at the time when she met Shin, she was wearing armor and to, like, you know, weigh her down. She was feeding bats for other devils. Uh, you know, becoming a devil is just bitch work. <laughs> <laughs> that really is all you have to do. And there's a final test where, like... You the- cannot use magic for an entire year. Yep. Yes, you cannot use magic for an entire year. Well, a, about a year went by. And just one day before she completed her training... She and Shin were attacked by these two sorcerers, these very tough sorcerers. And, well, they defended each other, and they defeated these guys. But, unfortunately, uh, Shin got very badly damaged in the fight. And Noi, by this point, like, they had become very good comrades. They had been through thick and thin. They had eaten with each other. She had healed him. You know, they really got along with each other. So she used magic to heal him. And failed all of her training. But by the end of it all, uh, Noi is finally made into a full member of the N family. You know, for all for all, like all that they've been through. And N is and N tells her uh, Shin that he's going to be working with Noi from now on. And if they are, well, they might as well be partners. So go and sign a contract, you two crazy little kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that is the story of how Shin and Noi uh, met with each other. Uh, my words cannot do it justice, because, like, you really need to see how these two interact with each other. It's really good. Shin and Noi is, like, it, it's like Nikaido and Kaimon. Like, there's, like, it's 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 such a good platonic relationship in the series. Mm-hmm. It's really sweet. Yeah, like, you can't imagine one without the other. I will say, like, uh, Q Hayashida likes to... <laughs> I it, at, There are points in the series where it feels like Q Hayashida likes to ship her own characters. Yeah, a little shit. And Shin and Noi are like the two she loves to do it the most with. Oh, there's multiple scenes even in this season where it's like kind of ship teasy. Yeah, because like with Nikaido and Kaimon, it's purely platonic. Mm-hmm. But Q Hayashida, she likes to keep it platonic between those between Shin and Noi as well. 
But even she likes pushing them together a little bit. Even it's, it's interesting. Even she's thinking like, oh, these two actually make a good couple. It's like because it's like Kaimon and Kaimon and Nikaido, pure friends. Ebisu and Fujita, like a brother and sister. But Shin and Noi are like the two characters where it feels like like she really likes to kind of brush them up against each other a little bit without going like that like to that next level. Maybe at most they can be friends with benefits. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but even as they are, even if you just interpret it as a purely platonic thing, it's beautiful between them. It's really beautiful. Like, those those two, like, just really are a perfect pair together. Also, gotta bring up here, uh, the, uh, ramen restaurant that, uh, N owns in the flashback here. <laughs> there's okay, yeah, there's, like, there's, like, a gag throughout this whole backstory that N used to run a restaurant that sold, like, ramen and stuff. And there's a great joke where, like, uh, Shin and Noi are eating there, and, like, Shin hears, like, music playing in the background, and he's like, what the hell is this? And then Noi's all like... Oh yeah, and uh, released a song, like, this is what's playing right here. And is very self-centered, so yeah, of course he would play music sung by himself in his own restaurant. Yeah, the song uh, Dreamy Mushrooms. Which, wasn't it sung by his actual Japanese yep, voice actor? sung by his actual seiyuu. Yeah, sung by his actual seiyuu in the, in the anime. I'll try to play some of it here. <laughs> ところは平らだったけ君に会いたけ愛しめじ僕の心を支配だけ夢の中までついていきたいでも君には時があるこの命続いても待つ時みたいな言葉言うなよ君の名前を叫ばだけ忘れられないドリーム機のそんな時は行こうよ花煙夢の花煙 And, like, the best part is, like, it cuts from the flashback back to present day and ends talking about the song, and he's like, that song did rather well, I must say. <laughs> so, so, like, he sold it, too. Fujita's like, yeah, but what happened to the restaurant? And Chota chimes in, oh, well, like, someone got food poisoning there from the mushrooms and it got shut down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the final joke of that chapter, by the way. <laughs> and all throughout it, too, like, uh, yes, the, the, jo- the, the joke in the background is that Ebisu loses her implants and then puts like uh nick uh puts a uh, kikarage into her shirt dressing of adding you as replacement cleavage oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that whole chapter is oh la- layered with a lot of humor oh man <laughs> and it makes for one segment in this episode yeah just almost like airplane levels of like jokes upon jokes upon jokes here. It, it really is with this series it really is Back in present day, Kaimon ends up saving Sheen after accidentally bumping into Baku and Yaku. As, uh, you know, he wants to go out, go out to the uh, festival and get himself a little plate of gyoza. And a big piece of gyoza, no less. But uh, these two guys uh, bump into him and uh, cause him to drop his gyoza, which causes Kaimon to uh, 
you know, go and get some revenge for his lost food here. Yes, of all things, the kidnappers of uh, Noi collide with uh, Kaimon here. And I like the bit where Kaimon, he doesn't have a weapon, so he goes back to the Gyoza stand, and he's like, hey, do you have a knife I can borrow? And the guy's like, bring it back. <laughs> it's a quick gag, but it's a smooth one. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, his co-worker at the pie shop, uh, Fukuyama, played here by Michael Chapman, shows off his magic by turning Yaku into a giant meat pie. <laughs> It's just magic that turns people into pies. Wonderful. Yeah, just that's his ability, and you just see this giant pie sitting in the street. And I guess when that's your magic, well, that's just your job now. You know, you're set for life. <laughs> you're gonna be working for Tanba, making, like, meat pies. <laughs> and, like, uh, meanwhile, Risu, uh, sneaking around here, finds uh, Noe's body, and her healing magic immediately triggers, floods the room, also causing uh, Risu's body to grow back in the process. Yeah also healing her at the same time. Like I've said, uh, bodily damage means nothing in this world. Nope. And so Noi finds Shin, and the two renew their contract together and remain partners. Aww. And Fujita gets a new partner too, and that's Ebisu. As, uh, he only got two applicants. One of them was just him sending one to himself. And the other was Ebisu. Like, actually really sweet. Yeah, like, some of the, some of the important things they have to keep in here is how, like, Ebisu does actually, like, care about Fujita. You know, as much as she taunts him and makes fun of him, she actually does like him. Because even back during, like, the, the baseball event thing, um, you know, Fujita is kind of, like, you know, really down in the dumps and he feels like no one really cares about him. But, you know, Ebisu even chimes in on, like, real quietly, like, I care about you. Aww. And even here, she's blushing when, like, she, like, when, like, it's revealed that she actually submitted to be his partner. Yeah, like, Noe takes off her mask and she's, like, beat red. <laughs> and good thing, good timing, too, because it's the final night. Also, I want to bring up, uh, Ebisu, uh, while looking for Shin, it takes him three days to the final night, and they find him in a body bag next to the meat pie that's still there, and then she just starts eating it. <laughs> <laughs> just eating pie off the ground. <laughs> you know, it's the five-second rule, not the three-day rule. <laughs> And she pays for it, too, by getting really explosive diarrhea later. <laughs> uh, me after uh, uh, Chipotle a couple years ago. <laughs> Nicolette Mall Chipotle. <laughs> Stay away from that place. Uh, meanwhile, Anne creates a voodoo doll in Nikaido, causing her to collapse at Vo's uh, birthday party as huge mushroom familiar bursts out of her um, big mushroom scar that she got earlier. Right, right, because like, it's been found out before that uh, Nikaido tried to sell her magic yeah. to get some money while Shin Kaimon were in that world. And it turns out that her magic in particular is the kind that can manipulate time. Which is one that, another one that N was looking for and someone he wants to partner with. N really prefers a partner with time magic specifically. He likes Kikurage. Kikurage is sort of like his, is sort of like his unofficial partner for like most of the series. But, like, what he really wants is a time user. And, well, he finds out from his contacts that, like, he finds out the shop that Nikaido sold her smoke to. And then he's like, wait, that's the girl that, like, tried to steal Risu that one day. That grew a mushroom out of her. Well, <laughs> let's bring her back. <laughs> and has a lot of secrets in regards to his magic. Like, he, he is, like, way more powerful than he may seem at first. And he knows a lot of tricks with his magic. And one of those is making voodoo dolls with his magic. <laughs> <laughs> and so he uses his magic to make a voodoo doll of Nikaido, plants a little mushroom inside of her, and then 
he then is able to uh, manifest some things on Nikaido's side. Yes, a real mushroom monster familiar right here that attacks everyone. Grows another mushroom out of her, and then, like, it transforms into a monster. And this monster also carries N's abilities of turning people and things into mushrooms as uh, turns a Voe into a pile of mushrooms, turns Johnson's leg into a mushroom. It's a very powerful proxy ability. And in order to defeat this mushroom monster, Nikaido dons her uh, sorcerer's mask once again. You know, she doffed that mantle, but she brought it back to stop this monster. Yes, because way back when, uh, her old friend Asu, that devil we saw before, made a mask for her that, uh... I guess it is kind of... This isn't really, like... Maybe this is shown in, like, the, um special or something, but, like, most of the masks in the world of Doro Hidoro, the best ones are made by devils, mm. and I think they amplify your abilities a little bit. I kind of got that from watching this, yeah. Right, right. Uh, only, it's, <laughs> that's a whole nother bit of bullshit about how you get the mask, though, because you basically, like, have to bring a gift to a devil, <laughs> <laughs> and then if they like your gift, I guess a specific devil among, like, all the devils in hell will make the mask for you, and uh, that's how you get a nice mask. If they don't like it, then you just have to, like, make do with whatever and stuff. Fujita's mask, for instance, is not devil-made. It's store-bought. Yeah, this Tengu mask. Right, right. Uh, Shinanoi's masks are are made by devils, though. So, just uh, just a little, like, a little, like, fun fact. So, Nikaido defeats the monster and just spills his blood all over the place, but ha... Blood's actually a trap, and it turns into a door on the ground, dropping everyone here into N's mansion right in front of him. So Nikaido has just been served to N on a silver platter. And here, we're introduced to someone pretty important in this world. Uh, introducing Chitamaru, played here by uh, Christopher Corey Smith, also pulling double duty here. And this guy, actually the ruler of hell, as in hell hell, as in the devil. And he wears a hoodie. <laughs> the, the so in the world of Doro Doro, on this like like the, the, there's no god. <laughs> there there's only the devil, and when you die, you, you just go to hell. <laughs> yeah, there is no heaven. There is no limbo. You just go to hell when you die. I'm sorry for all you religious folks out there. At least on the sorcerer side, I guess when you're a human, you you, you just go nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> But all sorcerers, when they die, they go to hell. You need to know, like, this isn't really explained, but, like, this is the impetus for why every sorcerer wants to become a devil. Because if you become a devil, you're immortal, and you you don't go to hell. You get to live the rest of your life as an immortal devil. (laughs) (laughs) And they even explain in side content that, like, if you're a devil, uh, yeah, you you just just live out your life. Like... (laughs) You've got all the time in the world for your hobbies. Uh, you torment other poor suckers who are in hell. Uh, you, you just hang out with other devils. It's cool. It's chill. <laughs> but yes, Chi Chidaruma here is the is the big devil of the series. He is Satan. You know he he is the original. He was never anything before. He always was and always will be the devil. You know Satan, Beelzebub, the Prince of Darkness. And he's just a weirdo. <laughs> just <laughs> his design. Just the first time I saw it, I just cracked up. Just this big devil, you know, typical devil with like skull mask, tongue hanging out. He's just got a blue hoodie on. And it's not really explained that he's like the the, the prince of darkness. No, here. they don't say that. <laughs> not really, but like no, he is he is the boss. Yeah, <laughs> he is the grand demon of all <laughs> demons. And holy shit, I hope the later specials. 
get into all the weird stuff. <laughs> Just get into how weird this guy is. Because they sh- cause like in later like omakes, they just explain that like this guy just made stuff up in the world, <laughs> created stuff that is very important in this world, just because he was bored, because <laughs> he was tired. At one point, he makes a a pizza man, a man entirely out of pizza, <laughs> and the pizza man is just like, please kill me. <laughs> Existence is horrible, <laughs> and Shidaruma's like, ha. That's sick. I'm bored now. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch TV. <laughs> Bit of a uh, Foster's. How do you do? I love you. I, I don't even know if he eats the pizza man at all. He just lets him exist and live in like horrible existence. <laughs> There's a whole segment. There's a whole omake where Matsumura like. And I'm only explaining this now. This isn't spoilers anyway. This is like omake stuff. This doesn't matter in the grand scheme. This is just world building. There is a whole TV channel for the devils. And it's just devils putting on, like, their own, like, public broadcast TV. <laughs> I'm talking, like, de- the devils, they do, like, crappy Japanese soap operas. They do their own game shows. <laughs> they do cooking shows. <laughs> they have nothing to do but just the rest of eternity. So they just dick around with each other. And they have a TV station where they show this off. <laughs> Do a show. Honey, I'm home. That is exactly what a segment is. Chidaruma is just like, is just like, honey, I'm home. Like, honey, my, 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 my ass has been turned into like a monster. Like, oh, wow, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> what? All right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it really is just like that. Is it just me or is TV getting dumber? It seems the same to me. The whole segment, that is like life in hell for devils. Like, for them, they just all get together and make TV shows. Where they just show off their weird hobbies. And every devil in Dorohidoro has a weird hobby. All of them do. Because they all have an eternity to do nothing but work on their weird hobbies. <laughs> like, one makes masks. Uh, one uh, sings shitty music. <laughs> And then Shidaruma just, just doesn't do fucking anything. He just does whatever he wants. <laughs> One of the funniest segments from, like, that, like... It really is... It really does play out, like, in the Omake, like, uh, interdimensional TV from Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> they flipped a one where, like, it's a... It's a... It's a, it's a real... It's a... It's a talk show. And one of the devils asks, So, I'd like to ask my de- my all-devil audience here, what was your main reason for wanting to become a devil? And every, for, and every single one is just like, death, 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 <laughs> death. Don't want to die. Like, immor- immortality. <laughs> just do a show called, Welcome back to Devil Yak. Humans. Boo! <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> okay, that was a whole tangent I went on right here, but like... The Devils in Dorohidoro, my main point here is that the Devils in Dorohidoro are one of the funniest things in the entire series. Because it's like, wow, this is like what you're supposed to become as a sorcerer. This is the highest thing you can ascribe to. Becoming a devil, having immortality, and never having to go to hell. And like, the rest of your life is just like, is just like farting around. <laughs> Dedicating your life to your weird hobbies and like the guy you answer to. Actually, no, the guy who just, the guy who just bull, who, who's just like, like the the teenage like gang leader of like all these devils, is just a man child. <laughs> it's like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> it's the funniest thing to me in all of Dorohidoro. 
What's even better is, like, one of the first times we see him right here coming out of the big floating house in the middle of the sky is uh, Kaiman and uh, Fukuyama just sitting on a park bench, and they're like, oh, hey, Mr. Kaiman, it's the devils. Wave to the devils. That, I think, is, like, one of the most indicative jokes of all of Doro Hidoro. Like, two characters sitting on a bench. Oh, look, devils are coming are coming out of that house. Wave to the devils, Kaiman. Blow them kisses. <laughs> and then the devil, and then the devil, who looks horrifying, especially in the manga, just nicely waves back. Yeah, it's just like, what up, word. Because the devils don't rule over the sorcerers, they just chill and do their own thing. <laughs> so why not wave to the devils? Yeah. Wave to the devil, devils, honey. <laughs> that is like the joke of Dorohidoro. <laughs> two nobody, two like regular dudes chilling on a bench, just waving at devils going by. <laughs> and devils, nice enough to wave back. Not all of them are openly malicious. Ah, some of them are just kind of cool guys. Cool dudes with attitude. <laughs> so, moving on, <laughs> moving on. Now that I've explained, like, what devils are in Dorohidoro. Yeah, so, uh, Chitamaru confirms that uh, Nikaido's magic can indeed control time. And, despite her blatant lack of consent, Nikaido is forced into a contract with N. And the whole process of this is just really something where it's like, everyone's got to bathe, you know, like, after... Like, you know, kind of gets gets impurity right here. And then the way they sign the contract is that they open up their chest cavity, like a door, like Rian Bender from Futurama, pull out a piece of their insides, and then physically sign it, and then put it back in. That and, piece of paper is in every single sorcerer, by the way. And it's just so normal. Like, everyone's just all like, oh, be great working with you for another year after signing each contract. And then that... Yep, Shin, Shin signs Noi's contract, Noi signs Shin's contract, they both get rolled up, placed back into their other uh, into each other's bodies, and that's how you become partners in this world. And the way the chest looks, it's like, it's like a little opening with like a handle on it too. Yeah, Chidarma has like a special handle that he uses to open up your chest. That's where he gets the contract from. And I love how, like, if you, like, like you would think there was like something like, that would, like, magically compel Nikaido to do something, to, like, sign the contract or something. But, like, no, the way that, like, she, you get forcibly... The way she forcibly signs uh, N's contract is just Chidaruma putting the pen in her hand and forcing her to <laughs> sign. It's like, we have ways of making... Don't worry. You will sign no matter what. Here you go. Get, come on, get in it. Sign it. Sign, sign, sign the fucking paper. Come on. Sign it. it. Sit, there you go. That's 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 an N. I N K I K A I D O. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that wasn't so tough. Pretty easy. Welcome to the family. <laughs> it's so like you would think it might be like magic that would compel her. No, the devil just like for puts the pen in your hand, forces you to sign. <laughs> and he gets annoyed with it too if you resist. <laughs> He's just like, come on, this is how things are done. Just rip the band-aid off, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's, it just, the, the, the look of it just looks so immature. <laughs> it does. Like a kid doing it or something. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Fujita and Ebisu couldn't sign their contracts due to Ebisu's explosive diarrhea, keeping her on the toilet all night. No, no partnership for, for Fujita. So, like, even when he wins, he still loses. Try again in four years. <laughs> Later on, Kaiman com finally comes clean to Tanba about his whole uh, situation, and like a good guy, Tanba insists on helping him out. What a guy. And it turns out he knows a member of the Cross-Eye Gang. 
as uh, this one guy is a death row inmate who wants uh, the, wants the meat pies one last time as his final meal before he's sent to hell. And Tamba takes Kaiman to meet him. Kaiman puts the prisoner in his mouth, and he recognizes Risu on the inside. But before he can explain the whole thing, he is forcibly dragged to hell as his uh, execution right here. <laughs> the only reason for like a prison existing in the world of Dorohidoro is just if you like deface imagery of the de- of devils. <laughs> Devils! I will say this, they seem chill at first, but they, they are, can be really petty individuals. Like, if like you, they are extremely petty in, like beings. Like, if you, like, grab a flyer with a picture of a devil on it and wipe your ass with it, you're just thrown in the slammer. Yes, that is exactly. That's <laughs> that's that's all prison is for in this world. If if you just disrespect, that, the only crime is just don't disrespect the devils. You know, don't be rude. Like, you can do whatever you want, but if, like, you deface devil imagery... It's, yeah, it's like, that's like sacrilege. That's the only thing that's sacrilege in this world. You know, murdering and all that, that's fine, but should talk the devil and you got hell to pay. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yep. And Kaimon is uh, nearly saved from uh, the same fate as he's holding onto the prisoner's legs as he's being dragged down to hell. And Asu appears, who warns him that Nikaido is imprisoned in Anne's mansion. So, from one plot point to another here. And we need to get her back since, uh, since she's uh, now fully under Anne's control with the, uh, with the contract now, Anne can control her. Yeah, because, like, the, the one detail... Yeah, Anne explains, like, the, the one thing about uh, the, the contracts is that uh, even if you don't consent, you will still basically be... Uh, the, the contract will still make you subservient to the other person if you don't consent to it. Right. Pretty fucked up. It's really fucked. Yeah. Though, uh, Nikaido does get a cool new outfit here. Yeah, not too bad. Not bad, not bad. Though it is, no- it is notable that in the manga she changes costumes way more often. Yeah, in fact, the aside from the costumes, one other thing that's notable in the manga, there's way more nudity, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can I cannot go by without, like, remarking on that. There's a lot more nudity in the manga. I mean, we see some of it in the anime, but they kind of uh, airbrush the nipples out. Oh, Kyu Hayashida. She really likes drawing Nikaido and Noi naked. <laughs> she really, like, full frontal nudity. I'm not joking. Kiyoshida, like she, she likes herself some gore, and she likes drawing those two ladies naked. And here we thought uh, Boichi from Doctor Stone was horny, <laughs> like tits, ass, and all. Like Tiyone, Tiyone, Tiyone. Yes, yes, a lot. There's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 Nikaido's your type, well, props. Well, then you oughta like uh, get into the manga. I should get into the manga. Lots of naked Nikaido in the manga. <laughs> <laughs> Lots. Lots of that. And plenty of naked noi, too. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this new partnership uh, comes with uh, Chota's jealousy here, you know, not taking too kindly to Nikaido getting close to N. And uh, he attempts to kill her with, like, almost kind of like childish pranks right here. Perching up a bowling ball in between a sliding door and having Nikaido walk under it and having it fall on her head. But it doesn't phase her. He, like, casually poisons Nikaido. Yep. Yeah, Ch- Chota... <laughs> He really wanted to be N's partner. <laughs> and speaking of N, we actually get his backstory here, told through a uh, N autobiography film right here. Right, since, like, Nikaido's gonna be a part of the family now, Chota's like, well, I gotta show you this, like, little introductory vid- video. Yeah. It's a film directed, written, and produced by N, and starring N. And it just goes through his, like, entire life, from birth all the way up to current day. Where he, Whereupon uh, N was... 
abandoned as a child, or rather, when he first let out smoke as a baby, he transformed his parents into mushrooms, <laughs> where he then feasted on those mushrooms for sustenance, until he was found by uh, other lowly sorcerers who kidnapped him and subjugated him to a factory producing smoke <laughs> for, like, the first nine years of his life. <laughs> like, just being, like, human cattle until he could produce smoke no more. And then his body was, like, thrown out in the garbage. And then a devil found his body and sent his body, and sent him body and soul and all directly down into hell. But N was full of vengeance and hatred for those who would turn him into cattle and subjugate him throughout his life. And so he lived on in hell. He survived. (laughs) (laughs) And Shidaruma, the the devil, uh, was apparently so impressed with that that he just he just let him out. <laughs> like the cut of your jib. I like the kid cut of your jib, N. You can get out of hell. <laughs> your time is not your time is not here. I'll see you. You're in not a, dead yet. I'll see you in several years. I want to see what kind of I want to see what you what you wreak on this world. <laughs> Chidarama, One thing I will say about him: if you can just be interesting to him, he will cut you a solid. <laughs> And so six months after N was uh, brought back into the world, he destroyed that entire factory and killed, killed and did away with all those who would subjugate others. And he took all the people who were in prison there and made them into the first first beginnings of the N family. That's, a, that's actually kind of cool and noble. That is really way. cool. <laughs> Freeing these basically slaves right here and then going to rise up against their captors. Right, right. <laughs> and that's how the N family got started. But <laughs> things started to get more interesting as time went on. Because as N built up his family, and after he brought Shin and Noi into the family and uh, had them be partners, uh, they started clashing with a group of uh, lowly magic users uh, called the uh, Cross Eyes Gang, named so because of the cross tattoos on their eyes. And well, they started fucking with the N family and killing off tons of people. And they killed off, like, nearly every original, like, gang member of the family. To where, like, it was practically just N, Shin, and Noi by the end, for the most part. And so, uh, well, they got a tip as to where uh, the, 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 the cross-eyes leader was, the boss. And they tracked this guy down. But he proved to be way too much for Shin and Noi. Just trumped both of them. Kicked their asses. And just... Buckets upon buckets of blood in this scene here. Yes, just like bled them dry, and thankfully N caught a caught a whiff of the situation and figured this is this something's amiss here. I need to look on my subordinates. Like like I like I feel like something's gonna go wrong. And well, when he got there, he got Shinanoi out of there, and he dealt with the boss of the Cross Eyes personally himself, resulting in a in a disaster where he let loose t- so much smoke. <laughs> That it turned an entire city, an entire separate city, into mushrooms, <laughs> leaving nothing alive. Everything was mushrooms. And Anne thought that he did away with the guy, with the boss of the cross eyes, once and for all. But, but out of the corner of his eye, he saw a headless man go through a door. And since that day, Anne has always believed that he has not done away with the boss of the cross eyes. Quite possibly the only person to ever cross paths with N and live to tell about it. And that scares him. And that is why his movie does not have a proper ending. Because he wants that to be the ending. He wants he wants to finally find that cross-eyes boss and finish him off once and for all. 
the the one man he couldn't he he had never been able to kill who still haunts his dreams today wow wow that's a hell of a training video guys Do they show that to, like, everyone at, like, end family orientation? I like to think so. Yeah. Like, that is just the orientation video. Like, a, an autobiography of end's life. You know, no rap song about making hot drinks. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the reason why N wants the time wants a time magic user as his partner. Because he wants to go back in time and confirm the death. Uh, or at least finish off that the, the cross-eyes boss from, like, that long ago. And the cross-eyes boss is, like, is a character that we've had heard about a bit, like, even during the interrogation scene with Risu, but, like, nobody knows their identity at all. Yeah, it's it's noted in the series that, like, no one actually is really familiar with the boss of the cross-eyes. Like the boss even of- though they're, like, the only other faction out there that could even compete with, like, the N family. Everyone knows N, but no one knows the cross-eyes boss. It's like the boss of uh, Passion in uh, Jojo Part 5. Yeah, it's it's another one of those weird, enduring mysteries yeah. as time goes on. Another big mystery in this series. Yes, another big one. <laughs> but yeah, this is why N needs Nikaido. Yeah, but also, like, that headless man just... There's something about that. Something about that. Headless man. Headless man, part of the cross-eyes. Oh, mm, 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 mm. Cross-eyes. Yeah. Headless. Headless. Uh, uh, <laughs> so after all that, uh, Kasukabe and Johnson are able to get out of N's prison cell with the help of uh, Johnson's new little cockroach friend. Makes friend with a little cockroach and was able to free them from their chains. <laughs> That's cute. And of course, uh, soon after the escape, they got to deal with Shin and Noi. But instead of fighting, Shin and uh, Kasukabe, they recognize each other. It's like, you're the doctor from back then. <laughs> You're, you're my patient from back then. Hey! hey. What's up? <laughs> Broski! <laughs> How you been, man? How the years been doing for you? <laughs> hey, I'm st- I'm st- I still look like a teenage boy. Still a teenage boy? Yeah. How old are you? Six, seven? I'm 60. Ah, I'm just getting around with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and because they're old friends, Jin lets them both go. Hey, it's nice. You know, in a series of full of this gore and horror, these nice moments go a long way. Or, well, rather, Shin takes Kasukabe and, like, the uh, other human friends of Nikaido and Kaimon back to their place. You know, for little snacks and stuff. After all, can't let humans just going around all willy-nilly in that world. Nope. Gotta, gotta keep watch on him for a little bit. Meanwhile, Tamba helps Kaimon get close to N by setting up a pie food truck by his mansion. And Kaimon disguises himself as the mascot and Tamba's wife, Pie Man. <laughs> Uh, Pie Man, Pie Man, Pie Man. The voice he puts on here is just amazing. <laughs> it, it's quite funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Let's play see a bit of it. There were supposed to be only three. Oh, that's just our part time. Oh. <gasps> huh? We actually got married three days ago. I'm Tanva's wife. <laughs> what the? Oh. Oh, well, congratulations. What's your name? My name is Pie Man! You're a girl, but you're Pie Man? Okay. Go on in, then. These are your passes. Wear them somewhere visible. Oh, sure. Whoa! This is amazing! There's a city inside the castle! Hey, this is it. It's a pretty good spot, don't you think? Huh? What's that truck doing there? Send away. 
Go move it, freak! Hey, is that any way to talk to your bride? I get vibes of uh, Joseph Joestar as I brought the tequila scene here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does have strong tones of that, but it, man, it's funny. <laughs> so what is he using for boobs? I don't... <laughs> he, uh, yeah. what's he what's he holding up there oh i wait did i remember this oh shoot i think that's maybe a joke at one point but i forgot it uh. <laughs> he's using something something but uh, it's like really come on this is your disguise like woman in an apron with a big pie helmet he- mask thing on you know come on you just needed the pie helmet and you could have said you were an employee yeah or the mask guy you didn't need to say you were tanba's wife or maybe or maybe he's like thinking like oh this could be nice <laughs> you know everyone loves a good mom and pop shop yeah exactly <laughs> no one will be any the wiser <laughs> uh but then we got to deal with a rival food truck one run by a woman named asuka played here by lauren landa as uh she has uh, unrequited feelings for tanba and she's immediately jealous of paimon it, all of this is so much fun. Like we find out that, you know, she used to be Tanba's employee, but she fell for him. He didn't return her feelings, so she left and go start, started her own pie restaurant. And now she's competing with Tanba to get, like, a contract, to sort of, with the N family to sell pies to them. Yeah, it's because whoever sells the most pies at lunchtime, they get to open up a shop near N's mansion. Mm-hmm. But uh, Asuka cheats by enchanting her pies, making her customers obsessed with them. And uh, she even makes a... She, she and N uh, want to eat something other than meat and mushrooms. Mm-hmm. You know, I expect Fuji to, to be the drooling idiot here, but uh, I expected a little bit more dignity from these two. All this is done by a monster she created named Angel, which is basically just, it's the Slurm Queen from Futurama. <laughs> just feeding a frozen store-bought pies and turning them into, like, delicious heart-shaped pies. <laughs> Though it doesn't affect Tomba because uh, she used her spell one too many times on him and he's just immune to it now. <laughs> uh, but then she runs out of magic and everyone goes to Tanba for his pies and then N gives him the win because he made a special mushroom pie for him. <laughs> he's like, I don't need to see anymore. You win. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but in all the hoopla, Kanman tries to sneak Nikaido away, but she's not gonna go that easily. So before we close out the series here, uh, we get one last look in with Risu as a flashback where... Uh, Risu's friend, Aikawa, warns him against uh, affiliating with the Cross-Eyes gang, but uh, he argues for it, you know, saying, like, being with these guys can help me ensure a better life for everyone around me. And, you know, despite attending uh, sorcery school, Risu is uh, unable to produce any magic smoke at the time and feels that uh, their research at a place called Barith is the only hope that he can for people who can't use magic. One thing I'm noticing here is that, uh, especially in the earlier uh, flashback scene where he got killed, uh, Risu has a buddy named Aikawa, yet... I feel the series kind of goes out of its way to not show what he looks like. Like, even when his mask is off, it's, like, turned away from the audience. Like, always has the mask on. It's like, there's something to this guy, I think. That's that's a good thing to know. <laughs> <laughs> also, just right off, the, right off the bat, too, his mask, kind of familiar, too. Yeah. Bit of a, kind of a gas mask looking thing here. Yeah. Pretty similar. Uh, but uh, back in present day, Risu goes to Barith to search for his killer. And that's uh, kind of where we leave Risu off for now here. It's kind of the only proper spot we could leave off with Risu. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's when he, ha- cause that's when he uh, goes out and has a meeting with uh, some members of the Cross-Eye Gang. Yeah. And that is way too much to get into <laughs> to wrap up the season with. 
Uh, but back with uh, Kaiman and Nikaido, the two duke it out, but uh, Kaiman, he's unwilling to fight his friend. Nikaido, on the other hand, you know, hair up and square up right here, buddy. Yeah, because like, she's already now getting like brainwashed due to the contract inside her. And Anon's enemies are her enemies now. So Kaiman tries to crawl to safety, but uh, he blacks out, and Nikaido goes to pursue him more, but then she's stabbed in the back by an unseen man, another shadowy figure that she doesn't recognize. After passing out, Chota finds her body, only for Asu to appear and pull Anne's contract right through her uh, open chest wound right here. And it's become pretty clear right here that Asu, like, clearly has a deeper relationship with Nikaido. Yeah, like, he always seems to appear just at the right time to help her with something, or help someone help her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he yanks the contract right out of her, but it's not out of effect, though. No, but instead he gives it to Chota in exchange for him to keep his uh, lips shut. So Nikaido wakes, and Asu explains that she has only come to her senses uh, temporarily, but being close to end would cause her contract to regrow. So the only true solution to basically breaking this contract with end is to kill him. But in the meantime, they, she just has to be as far away from him as possible. Because if she ever see, lays eyes on him ever again, then he then she's going to be it, brainwashed it comes right back. again. The contract is just going to purate her body again. So, other than his death, uh, he can have uh, Jinmaru uh, nullify it or wait for the next uh, Blue Knight to pass to forge a contract with someone else. Mm -hmm. Those are the only ways to get rid of this. Yes. And, again, a lot of setup for the future here I'm seeing. Lots of long-term booking and I'm all for it. <laughs> so, Kaiman gets back and he chomps on Nikaido's head, since she's a sorcerer and all, and she recognizes Risu, so, yeah. She now confirms that, yes, this is the guy we're looking for, and she now knows what he looks like. Right. Now, why would Risu, of all people, people be seen inside Kaido? Yes, Kaiman's why head? is it him? And Asu informs him that Risu is currently in Bareth, and that's where they can find him. So, opens up a magic door, helps him escape, and then buys some time by turning Chota into a Nikaido doppelganger right here. Yeah, he works some of his devil magic on Chota. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the whole thing is right, like, Jota, he can get close to N, and if he screws up, we'll just blame the whole thing on Nikaido. It's not him. It's a win-win. Yeah, and he can get close to N now. Yeah. All cozy. I'm sure N's probably wondering, like, huh, why is she so cuddly with me all of a sudden? <laughs> so as the two escape, Nikaido explains to Kaiman that her magic can't control time, but she accidentally killed a friend with it, causing her to swear it off for using it for life. She began hiding in the hole, trying to evade and escape people like N who want to exploit it. But she wants to protect humans from sorcerers instead of work with them, and hopes that she would become closer to a human one day. The season closes with Kaiman trusting Nikaido again, when she promises to never use her magic again, and that she and Kaiman will remain friends even after he turns back to normal. Which is really, really sweet. Aww. So, curtain down. Here's to another season. Hopefully on the horizon, nothing's been confirmed, but hopefully we get it. But uh, don't overwork your animators to get it out quickly, Mappa. We can wait. You know, cut down on your projects, and then we can talk about a season two. Please. We don't need it that fast. No. Final thoughts, Santoro Hidoro season one. You know, I really now that I look back on it, I really feel like 
This is like, this is a really dense anime. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually been kind of sweating here, trying to make sure I make everything I've we've just explained in the series so far yes. makes sense to people. Hopefully, you folks out there found this coherent. Holy shit! I feel like Charlie from like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, going over like the charts, trying to explain <laughs> who Pepe Sylvia is. <laughs> I hope all of this has made sense by the end. <laughs> but man, like. Can I just say that, like, Doro Hidoro, like, it sets up a lot, but, like, it, it really it really is one of those anime that really wants you, makes you crave more. And it was strong enough to make me get into the manga afterwards. Because <laughs> everything here is so friggin' compelling! <laughs> I, I really do love Doro Hidoro. Like, this, both the manga and the anime. I think... If I, had to prefer, if I had to show preference for the two, I think I'd prefer the manga more, if I'm being honest. Just because, like, just because everything is, like, paced... This kind of story is paced better in a manga, I think. I can see that. With, like, the way that, like, Kyuhai Shido layers, layers her jokes, her action, her character interactions and stuff, and just her storytelling, it's all... It all fits better into a manga format. Uh, in that regard, I think the anime, um... It does a very good job of compressing that all down in 12 episodes really impressive given that this is this is 41 chapters yeah like i am blown away by that revelation like 41 chapters 41 chapters in 12 episodes that is ridiculous and like other shows have tried that and have failed look no further than say like dimension w or something like that and yet like yeah, I, I feel like Dimension W is, like, another interesting case where, like, that also feels like a show that tries to... Even though it's an original anime work, it feels like it tries to compress way too much in too little time. Yeah. Dorohidoro, though, I, I'm impressed that, like, they were actually managed to compress down as much important. Just the just what was important to keep in the manga in just these 12 episodes. It really is impressive. And it's still all very compelling and fun. Yeah, and like, this is a bloody good anime. Yeah, and like, I, it makes me really want to get into the manga now because like, I, I need to know more about what happens after this point in the series. The manga will satisfy every question you have by the end of the series. <laughs> I mean, I will say right now, like, not to spoil anything, but like, yes, every mystery in the series is solved by the end. Oh. That was the thing that impressed me. When I got when I started reading the manga, like everything gets explained, and I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> like I was like on the edge of my seat by the very up to the very end. But no, no, no. I need to, I need to, I need to pull it back. I need to pull it back just to the anime. This is a good adaption. This is a very good adaption. I think Mappa did a very good job of bringing Q Hayashida's very uh, complex world into the anime format. The, the the 3D animation looks very good. Uh, I think they actually found a very good balance between uh, 2D animation and 3D animation. I think overall it blends together a bit better than Beastars. I can see that, yeah. Like with Beastars, like all, all like the lift flaps are like just like, they're all like, a two, they're all like synced to like the Japanese dialogue. Yeah. And it doesn't really help when, like, because in Beastars, they're all animals, so they don't have traditional, like, anime mouth. They have to have, like, you know, snouts and everything like that, and you kind of have to work with that. Whereas with this, 
you know, everyone has, like, can have, like, the little anime mouth, you know, the three frames of, like, opening and closing lip flaps. Right, there's not any, like, abstracted, like, character designs with, like, animal designs or anything with Dorohi Doro, so it's a bit smoother with each other. Um, I would say I actually like the 3D animation better in Beastars, though. I, w I would have to agree, yeah. For me, personally, I like I like the 3D... I think Beastars has the better 3D animation, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. They both work really well, but I think Beastars does edge it out just a little Dora bit. Doro, I think, finds a good balance between the two. Like, both are, like, pretty solid in both regards. And good use of, like, 2D at times what with the, uh, the flashbacks and certain close-up shots, too. And the action, too, looks good between the two. Very smooth, very kinetic. Hiwaishida is a, a very kinetic uh, action drawer herself, so that was very important to nail down in the adaption, and I think they did a very good job there as well. And also the gore, while I, I'm sure uh, censor, heavily censored, still not honestly not that heavily censored. Oh, okay, but... only in some, mostly with like some of the the truly gory mm. parts, like showing like nerves coming out of someone's yeah. arm or like someone's brain being like cut out, you know. But still like very lovingly animated they they adapted all they needed really <laughs> it's it's still very gruesome still pushing the limits of tvma and so wonderful <laughs> and just overall what a very unique series to have like especially in this day and age with a lot of the anime we have like this series kind of stands out just above all else that what we get yeah like i think this like dora Pidoro really does have like a good cult following online just because like <laughs> Can you think of, like, any other manga out there that's like this? Honestly? Nothing off the top of my head is really coming <laughs> coming here. I know, this is such a, like, gruesome, like, adult, like, because it's not a shonen by any stretch. No, 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 no. Very, like, adult manga. But still also, like, charming in, like, a very accessible way? Yeah. Like, that's just, like, the, the kind of magic that Q Haishida can, you know, bring, a bar, bring, a, bring about in her works. Like, it's a series that's just, it brings you in, it charms you within, with, like, how often weird it is at times, but still, like, still very sincere, and it does have, like, a lot of heart to it, too. That, I think, is, like, the strongest suit with Q Haishida. She's, she's a very dark author. She can create very gruesome, uh, dirty worlds. Uh, she can, like, horrify you with some designs. And yeah, later on the series, there are some, like, truly, like, like, horror-inspired, like, vi visages <laughs> you see. But, like, she still brings it back to, like, this very, like, charming, grounded, kind of, like, funny brand of humor <laughs> that contrasts in such a really interesting, unique way with her, like, horrifying imagery. In an, if, in a, in a, that all really comes across as really accessible in the end. It's, it really is a miracle. Like, the way the show does, like, the kind of the humor and the heart with the, the darkness, kind of, it's like, it's like a more adult version of, like, stuff you would see, like, say, in Gravity Falls, where, like, that show can get really weird with its humor and kind of, like, almost push the lines of, like, uh, you know, TVY7, TVPG, but still going back to, like, the absolute heart of it, the series with, like, its mysteries and also its just lovable cast of characters all around. Right, right, exactly. And, like, the characters just... I love all of them. I want to take them home with me. They're I love Nikaido. I love Kaimon. I love, I love Fujita, Ebisu, <laughs> and Shinoi. I love all these characters. Love, like, you even love Fu Fujita, you know? Like, I, I won't let him sleep out in the yard, you know? <laughs> you, can, you can come inside. <laughs> but yeah, I can't, I can't give enough praise to Doro Hidoro, I to like both the anime, and especially the manga. If you, li if you like the anime, I highly recommend the manga. It is incredibly satisfying. 
I mean, I really can't name any other kind of manga out there that is really uh, like Doro Hidoro. And, um, you know, I really wish the best of uh, Kyuhaishida in the future, as she's currently writing a new manga as well that is very much in the same vein as Doro Hidoro called Die Dark. Ooh. That's more uh, science fiction, like space travel oriented. Ooh. So, yeah, I'd be interested to check out that one day. I'd be curious about that, too. But overall, with this series, uh, also a kind of series that's perfect for the season we're in right now. Because it's just filled with, like, crazy weirdos wearing masks. <laughs> this is a good anime to review for the Halloween season. Something to, like, throw on Netflix, like, any day of the week during this month of October. Now, you folks, I know I may not spook you, but it's very awesome. It's incredibly awesome. God, when I want love to, like, cosplay Shin sometimes, someday. <laughs> That'd be good. I, I love his whole, like, outfit entirely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I would honestly also like to do a uh, Ebisu cosplay with a big skull mask on it. Uh, that Just would look run so around nice. a con acting like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Doro Hidaro, this was a good one for the holidays, I think. Definitely, and hopefully another season is on the way sometime in the future. Man, I really hope so. I could really see, like, three or four more seasons coming out of this. Oh, yeah, and, like, when there, if and when there are more seasons, we'll definitely come back to this. Mm, I would really love to return to Doro Hidoro as well. Yeah, we hopefully we will see this to the very end. Like, I was really holding back trying to geek out about, like, all the later stuff in the series. <laughs> I was able to geek out pretty hard when I was explaining the devils, but that's only because that's, like, side content yeah. in the series that just kind of, like, flavors the world a bit. And, like, I held it together during that, but when, like, when we first watched this and you told me about, like, Chidmaru and, uh, like, all the devils, like, I was losing my shit laughing. Because <laughs> it, it really is just, like, patently ridiculous. It's nuts. It's cuckoo bananas. You can't really find anything like that in any other manga out there. That's so, like, darkly hilarious as that. Yeah. And just all all perfect. Yes. Doro Hidoro. A nice, like, a nice tasty gyoza in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth savoring. Have it with a side of candy this year. Thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Mikey, and you can find me at my social medias at Mikey Shioda on Twitter, MikeyShioda.tumblr.com, and Mikey Shioda on the gram. Where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at 2Bits on Twitter and Wolfish Grin on Tumblr. Follow Anime Baby on Twitter at Anime underscore Baby. That's Anime underscore B-A-Y, B-A-Y. Also, follow the show at AnimeBaby.podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, year four of Anime Baby continues as next time we're talking about something. Something. Something so big that even I don't even know what it is. And I'm not just saying that because I haven't decided what we're doing yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, just, let's just say I'm deciding between a couple of shows, and it all depends on if one of them gets their dub finished on time, shall we say. I will say, either way, what we're going for next time, we will be covering something with dragons in it so give me a little hint there yes yeah, so remember that hint folks that's gonna be the mystery for next time dragons dragons until then stay safe out there wash your hands wear a fucking mask if you're unvaccinated and if you are vaccinated and if you're not vaccinated go get fucking vaccinated black lives matter trans rights are human rights stop asian hate and thank you all for sticking with us for another year of this podcast yes thank you all for another year of this podcast we greatly appreciate it and here's to another good year a toast <laughs> to another good year. And also, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to everyone. Have some candy on us. Stay away from the candy corn, though. Yeah, don't. That's the, that's the worst candy out there. Yeah. <laughs>
But yeah, have a fun time out there and find a good partner for this Halloween. Just like all the good partnerships we saw in Doro Hidoro today. You know, sign a contract and stuff it in your chest. And hey, can I just say, Mikey, I would sign a contract with you any day. In a heartbeat. Eh? Ah, <laughs> see? There you go. That's why we would make good partners. Oh, yeah. yeah. What would your mask be? Uh, ooh. Maybe like a rejiggered uh, lucha mask. Mm. Something kind of like all torn up and gritty a little bit. Maybe kind of like wrap some stuff around it. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, maybe like a... Uh, uh, Los Santos mask, kind of like that. Ooh, that would be pretty sick. Maybe mixed in with a Rey Mysterio mask. You know what? I would want like a skeletal look myself too, like what Ebisu has. Ah, that's a good one. Maybe something like in like bright neon colors. Oh, that would look so good in that. Oh yeah. And also the nicest Nikes. And the nicest Nikes that you would have. Yes. Uh, so so I can get my friends to stop telling me to get into sneakers. <laughs> I have them now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but until then, this has been Anime Baby! in episode 12. There's a mysterious man in the darkness. Nikaido is the person who named Kaiman. Nikaido and Kaiman are friends. And everything is still lost in chaos. That is Dorohidoro. <laughs>